You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Congratulations. Your morning just got a bit classier. A media legend, a ferocious linebacker, a clueless producer, and you. Searching for a replacement window online? Visit windownation.com today. So raise a glass and act accordingly. This is Bishop and Laurenitis. All right, let's do it live on a First Friday Miracle edition of the program. How are you living, Threes? Oh, I'm great, brother. How are you living this morning? How is your morning? Medium. Okay. Medium. Okay. I got a three-mile run in, so I feel elite. I feel great. Yeah. yeah. I hope to be back to that. You know, I'm still so, I'm still so cautious with the back. Yeah. Um, and so I'm trying to, I still do the, I, you know, I do the PT all the time. And I'm getting trying to get back to a point where I can do some, get back to to getting a little bit. So we're we're slowly inching back, but I'm I'm certainly not, uh, not not on your level, my friend. Not on your level uh, at mm. all in in any way, shape, or form. But well, hopefully we you get know, to forty two percent of your level at some point. The the my favorite thing about it was you know when when the route that I ran, you know I got to see some horses this morning. Uh, there you go. Some cows that will become Wagyu beef, you know. Um, there you they're, go. They're eating a nice little feast of grass. Um, the smell's not so great at times. You know, you got power through. It takes yeah. some mental toughness to push through some of the smells of farming. But, uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes you just run. You got the sunset or sunrise, I mean, and, and you're going and you're like, man, look at the modern technology and how the soybeans are planted so perfectly in these rows. It's sure. incredible. Modern oh, farming, yeah. um, maybe not yeah. so much the the fact that there's absolutely no weeds out there. You know, my goodness, what kind of stuff have we altered Nothing to on see these soybeans? There. Um, Nothing to see there. Yeah, it's not a problem. You know, to how see. can Don't you spray all Nothing, of that? No. And what you're spraying kills the weeds, no. kills Nothing a living thing, but doesn't kill <laughs> the actual thing that we will consume in one way or another. But that's not you know that's up for for a deeper debate. But anyway, um, yeah, yeah, regardless. That's pretty, that's a- that's a lot. I mean, that's a, like a serial podcast. If we want to get into that. You saw yeah. Michael Clayton. You know how that ends. I, listen, I I lived in St. Louis, my friend, and there's a company yeah. called Monsanto there. That uh, correct. That's that right. uh, was that's right. is, is, has uh, been in the right. news recently. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all right. All the a lot of these companies, you know, Monsanto, Johnson and Johnson with opioids and with the baby powder and yeah, yeah man, my goodness, money, 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 money. Follow the money. Not Follow great. the money. Follow the money, coach. Anyway, <laughs> it's all there for you. It's all there for you. Um, so we there's a lot going on. I, well, let me ask. Let's start here. Uh, where did your attention wander last night? Uh, where did you vacillate with Olympics? Were you into uh, the basketball tournament? Where were your? Where did you find yourself uh, using most of your time? Both, both. I went uh, yeah. Olympics for a while, and then realized, oh gosh, dude, forgot the basketball tournaments on. I didn't think I'd be up for this, yeah. you know. So I, I turned over. It's in. Um, I'm watching right after halftime on, so I got the nice little recap from from Dan Dockage, you know. And then I saw the third uh, quarter. I'm watching, and I'm like, "Oh, they got this. 
this is they're gonna run away yeah. with this. So uh, you know, put my head on the pillow a little bit and was like, I'll just watch this as it soothes me to sleep and then uh wake up this morning and I'm scrolling through Espen and I'm like, Wait, what? We lost? Anyway. Yeah. Well we missed Wild Bill Buford quite a bit. Yeah. When William Buford went down with the injury that we didn't really have an answer for that. So so that was it. I, I was the same. I watched both. Um and and I was it was it was interesting. I, I was sitting here watching it and you know it's interesting how it's happened, but but guys that I covered, you know, a decade ago at, at Ohio State have become mm-hmm. friends, such as yourself and yeah. and and Diebler and, and guys who you know, it it's it's just something that, that I think there was something magical in the water in that era. Like I just think that and maybe it was I was close to it because I was doing coaches shows at that time and I was seeing you guys a lot. But it, it, I don't know that that's all it. I think there were just really good people that that coach that Trestle brought in here and that and certainly that Thad Mata did. And I do think that this group of guys, the majority of them that play on this this Carmen's crew team, are, are remarkable people. And I thought I was watching when Diebler hit the three. I I was thinking to myself. I actually tweeted it. Man, I, I feel like I've watched him do this for like a decade. That's right. Like knock down every three he takes. Like it's with John when John Diebler shoots it, if it misses, you're like, Oh, what happened? Right. What happened? Right. How did he miss? Like you expect yeah. him to make every one. That's right. And I thought that, and then I thought to myself, Well, you have, dummy. You have watched him drill threes for over a decade. It's been that long. Yep. We're all getting old now. Um and, and so that that was fun. It was yeah, it's it's a tough loss certainly, but that, that's a that's a really fun tournament. We can get into the, um, you know, kind of what could be a last dance situation for for them with Carmen's crew with a lot of those guys because they are going to have to evolve. Some of those guys, frankly, get a little older, and that's yeah. that's going to be a part of it. Um, but the news of the day, as it was yesterday, is is on the Olympics, and it it is um, it is Simone Biles who has withdrawn from the all around the individual all around competition. So. The, the phrase that she that I saw going around was in gymnastics people would know this perhaps I would think more than me but the way that I understand it uh, she they called it the twisties so what what that is was described to me and I, I hope I'm representing this rightly because I, I couldn't respect her anymore as an athlete mm-hmm. um, is that it basically is like the yips right yeah <laughs> so what happens is you you you're in the middle. You go to do a vault, yeah. and you're in the middle of sixty five twists and turns and and all of that stuff. And then all of a sudden, you're like, "Oh, I don't think I'm going to land this." And you can get seriously, incredibly seriously hurt. Yeah, right. Because you've vaulted yourself into the air, you know, twenty feet, and you're spinning, and and all of a sudden, you don't have full faith in what you're doing. And we've seen this with Markel Fultz. Oh yeah, couldn't shoot a free throw. Number yep. one pick in the draft. We've yep. seen it with Chuck Knobloch. Couldn't throw to first base. That's right. Rick Ankeel was mm-hmm. one of the great pitchers uh, in baseball, one of the great young pitchers in baseball, all of a sudden couldn't throw a strike. And he was such an elite athlete that he went and played center field and actually had a really good Major League Baseball career, which is insane. Um, and we've seen it with golf. Yeah. Right? There was a time when Tiger had it, where uh, when he was coming back from uh, all of the things that had happened, and he couldn't hit a chip shot. Remember he'd blade him? Oh, yeah. Remember that? And you'd go, yeah. man, the, it's the mental side of this sport, oh, yeah. of sports in general, is enormous. And I do think that these that these younger athletes are taking it by the throat a little bit and saying, look, I'm not right. Like, I'm not going to force it. I'm not right. 
And and that's what she's doing here. And for anybody who would push back on her and say, you know, she's weak, whatever, she she has won world championships with broken bones in her feet. Okay? She's yeah. had a liver issue. She was sexually assaulted by the doctor of the U.S. Olympic team. Yeah. So go yeah. to hell with your weak. Yeah. It is so disappointing to see the the toxicity online about um like Clay Travis tweeted it yesterday <clears throat> where he said I'm forgetting her name but the gymnast who had the broken ankle who went and did the Carrie Strug yes and said basically Carrie Strug did this Simone Biles did this discuss oh he's so and he's the thing with him is he's smart enough to know better but it's good money doing what he's doing he didn't even say like he didn't even give his opinion but you could hear the undertones of it he just said discuss and then as you as you look online and there'd be a certain headline from Fox News where you're like gosh that's really insinuating that she's mentally soft and you know and so then you start going down a certain path and what's disappointing about it is Carrie doing that is ex- what is wrong with sport and toxicity. There are times it is smarter for athletes now to say, you know what? Is it worth it for me to go out here with a hurting knee, hip, whatever it is? F- to what point? To not to be able to walk when I'm 41 years old? Is that worth it? To chase some. F- fleeting glory of playing in a football game or the Olympics. Okay, so if, if Simone goes out there and, my goodness, doesn't trust herself and goes to attempt one of these things and lands and gets some devastating injury that alters her life going forward, is that worth it for one more gold medal? Guess what? Right. When she dies, nobody cares about the golds. People will forget. There's always somebody new. There's somebody new. There's somebody new. It's fleeting. Ask the many athletes that have won a Super Bowl, a championship, whatever, and they're like, I got to that moment, and I was like, is this all there is? This is it? This is supposed to be the peak of everything? No, you ain't taking it with you. You're not taking the golds with you to the grave. So I I totally respect her ability to to, to notice that I don't trust myself, which is what she said. Yep. And I need to bow I need to I need to take a step away. That sport is so dangerous if you don't have a hundred percent belief. And I thought that when things were looking a little off on her in the qualifying round, I was like, Oh well it just it is what it is. But this is a per- I mean, there's so many areas you can go on it, right? Like this is a woman who's raised you mentioned all the things she's already been through, all the things yep. she's accomplished, but she's constantly on social the pressure of it, she's recognized it. This is the this is the athlete of today, right? Like the pressure on these kids, and I and look, there there's pressure on a lot. Of, one of the pushbacks you saw online yesterday was like, you don't think there's pressure on all these athletes? Pressure from the Russian athletes? I'm like, there's pressure, but if you doubt yourself in any sport, it's done. Yeah. My last year in the NFL, I started to doubt myself that I could make certain plays. I started to wonder about injury for the first time in my career because I tore my quad. had a grade two quad strain. My knee was arthritic. I already knew these things. And so you start to wonder in your head what else could go wrong with the body. And at that point, it was over. It was over. My mind had gotten to a point where I started to wonder about my body for the first time ever playing football. And that's when I realized I can't, I can't play the game the same anymore. 
because now I'm not thinking about go over there and inflict pain on the running back or just missile in there. Now I'm thinking about, will my body hold up? You have a grade two UCL on your right elbow. You have a grade two quad strain. You have an arthritic knee. Your left ankle's had surgery. Are you are you going to hold up the next tackle? Do you really want to inflict, try to inflict pain on that the next time you go tackle somebody? Or do you want to tackle them a little softer? Maybe drag them down. Maybe not take that abrupt contact. You can't play linebacker that way. So I was like, I'm done. I'm out. I'm out. Don't got it anymore. Don't trust myself. Yeah. And so it, it's it sucks to get there as an athlete. But what's been what's been the surprising thing is you see so many athletes who have obviously come to her support and been like, good for yeah. you. You know what I mean? And then all the people who are against her haven't done a damn thing mentally tough and probably quit no. the high school football team because there's too much no. competition. But they're going to sit I, behind their, their phone and talk about mental toughness. Well said. Well said. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the people who are critical, you hate to even give them voice because that's that's part of the problem in all of this yeah right and you mentioned her living you know i i and i think that generation lives uh, you know unfortunately via phone and i was unaware of this you told me she has a facebook series called simone versus herself Mm -hmm. um like boy that's that is really invasive um there is michael phelps who by the way like you want to talk about I don't know if you saw his comments yesterday, but you want to talk about, like, he's unimpeachable. He's got 23 Olympic gold medals. He's the greatest endurance athlete ever and the greatest Olympian probably ever. And and he talked about his mental struggles, and he said, we need people who will listen to us, that the, the weight of it is overwhelming, and that, that he uh, thankfully found therapy, and that allowed for him to, to find a way through it. Uh, but in these sports, you're, you're on an island in many instances. You know, there aren't people that you can lean upon. You feel like you're you're isolated, and then you let via social you let negativity creep in, and so um, you know she's going to be down uh, and and out of the all around, and and I hope we see her again. If not, I'm thankful for everything that I've seen from her because it's extraordinary. She's the greatest gymnast of all time by a, a pretty wide margin. Um, it was stunning watching her even compete in the the team all around, and you said, "My goodness, like." She doesn't even really have to land this stuff because the degree of difficulty is so so strong. And then also, she talked about how, uh, like, how many of the events are named or the moves are ma- named after her. Yeah, the Biles. which was just a, yeah. right the Biles moves, which is absolutely yeah. crazy. Um, I wanted to ask you. Uh, speaking of the other two faces of this, it's Biles and it's Ledecky. Uh, Ledecky does not medal in the two hundred, which was clearly disappointing for her. But but the stick to itness and did it in the five in the fifteen hundred and. Watching her swim is, I have to assume, like watching Secretariat run. Like, she's just so far ahead of anybody else. She yeah. was. There were people in the Olympic final that she was a whole pool separated from. Right. Which is incredible. Which is absolutely yeah. incredible. And so, watching her do that, um, look, it, we have such high expectations for all these athletes. And I just think that watching her and that in that... Um, you know, in that discipline, I guess you'd call it, in that event, she is so special. And when you just look at, and the hard thing is, this is what her third Olympics, fourth Olympics, yes, yeah, uh, six golds, third, yeah. I think third Olympics, yeah, third Olympics. So, I mean, it's hard to imagine because a lot of these kids, you know, swimmers especially, start in their teenage years, but 
Can you just put yourself in that frame of this no. is not a massive money making sport. This is a this is a sport that takes unbelievable dedication. And the span of twelve more years, obviously, but like twelve or sixteen years to where you're like people are dedicating themselves to this way of living, diet, training, everything that's encompassing it, the discipline to do that for that long. Um it's incredible. So obviously she's disappointed at the 200, but like I don't even view it that way. I just feel yeah. like you're representing your country competing in the Olympics. You have a unique discipline that 99.8% of the whole country doesn't have. And you, they are the best. They are the best of what we have to offer, and so it's just impressive either way. I yeah, mean, and to, um, to me, it'd be like a. It would be like Usain Bolt trying to win the mile, <laughs> right? Right, because one's a sprint, yeah. And the other it's a whole is, a, kind of is legitimately a yes. mile. Like it's a completely different type of training, yes. I would think, yes. to do one and to do the other. So even attempting to do it seems crazy uh, in retrospect. Um, uh, lots to get to on the program today. We're going to do a little NFL talk. Uh, our 20 big questions that are on center on the Buckeye pros and who's going to have big bounce back years. And is this the year for Ezekiel Elliott to return to his elite form and do something that hasn't been done in Dallas in a long time, lead them to a championship? Uh, we will get into that with Calvin Watkins, covers the Cowboys for the Dallas Morning News. Malik Hooker signed there yesterday. So we'll dig in on that a little bit as well. We will go around the NFL. Some good news out of Brown's camp in regard to Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, we will get to that. Bill Connolly, ESPN, will join us in about 10 minutes. Off and running here on our first Friday Miracle Edition. Bishop and Laurinaitis right here on The Fan. You love sports? We love sports. You love the Buckeyes? We love the Buckeyes. You love your mom? We love your mom. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Two men complaining about first world problems. You're not getting the point, kid. This, this is Bishop and Laurinaitis. And brought to you by our great friends at Window Nation. If you're in need of search and replacement windows, check them out at windownation.com. They'll take care of you the way that they take care of us at 866-90-NATION today. Uh, as we mentioned off the talk, Car- and I was watching this as, as well, Carmen's crew falls to the money team. Um, and, and really, you know, what? it's an it's an it's a for-profit basketball tournament in the summer. Like, you know, you're not going to crush this strategic misses here or there on this it's it's largely for fun and a lot of money for the team that wins it um Mm -hmm. what what i was struck by though was um the incredible value that this tournament has given those players uh from the standpoint of they essentially and i I asked dealer about this uh, a couple of weeks ago they essentially get to come back and relive their college experience to a certain degree Mm-hmm. That's a remarkable thing. Yeah. It's a remarkable thing to be able to do that. To play yeah. at the Cavelli, to have all that Scarlet and Gray fan base in there, uh, yep. to be cheered and, and to be playing with guys you played with in instances a decade ago yep. in competition. That is a rare treat. No question. No question. What a gift. Um, no, it's great, man. It, and what an opportunity to – we asked Deebs this, right? It's the relationships in there. And – and yep. uh, I was talking to uh, Costa Kufis yesterday as uh, yeah. he woke up from his nap at my neighbor's. And uh, <laughs> we went over there for, for dinner, and it was delicious. But he um, was basically saying, like, the best part is, like, you're getting to rehang with people you haven't seen in a long time, or even guys that he didn't play with, you know, and talk about your own experiences at school and, and um, 
it's just a way to connect, man. You know, it's a way to connect with, with others that have, have, uh, you know, the same experiences and just how fun to be able to have that opportunity. Like there's no way this is even feasible at all in football. Um, no, no. And so I think it's, it's, it's absolutely great. I think it's awesome, man. I really do. It is. And I, you know, I thought of Scooney Penn and I yeah. thought about how beloved he was when he played here, but mm-hmm. Scooney Penn, uh, led Ohio state to a final four, two of the more magical seasons you'll have in, in Buckeye history. And he was beloved. Yep. Scooney went to Europe and was great. Played yep. at the highest division of Europe for a long time. Made a, a very nice living uh, and had an incredible career in Europe. But Scooby, Scooney came back here in like 2013, 14, something like that. Yeah. And it had been oh, 12 years since anyone had really seen him. Yeah. You know, it, it's, you know, cause he's in Europe. And at that time, it, it was hard to track down, you know, what was going on over there. This tournament allows for the, allows for David Lighty and William Buford. Yeah. And John Diebler and Jared Sullinger and 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 you mentioned Costa. It allows for them to connect with the fan base again. Right. Cuz they were gone. They were gone. I mean, the you know, Deebs has played all over Europe, Lighty's played all over Europe, Buford's played all over Europe. When, when you're not in the NBA and you're not seen and you're not a, I mean, they're in Europe for large chunks of the year. And this allows for them to come back. Oh yeah, remember how great this was? Yep. Um, and and I I think it's great. I mean, it's it, I I know how much they wanted to win. Felt like they had it. They were up sixteen, and uh, obviously the injury to Buford changed everything. He's it's amazing how good he still he still is. It's been a long oh, time. Oh gosh, how good that dude still is. How good Dave Lighty is. How you still expect Ebler to make every shot? Like it's just uh, it was cool to see Kofus again. I, I'm just a huge fan of it. Um, and I hope that they always have a team in it, and I hope that they continue to be uh, engaged and, and be a part of it because it's fun to cover it uh, in the middle of summer. I feel like, uh, don't you feel like some of awesome. the guys, though, you're like, what's that line from Wedding Crashers? He's like, I don't know what's next. You know, I'm I'm still young. I, and Rashid right. goes, well, you're not that young. <laughs> you're not that young. Yeah, I do. I Yeah. Well, I know Deebs is done playing in Europe, and uh, Aaron Kraft's going to be, you know, it's weird to see Aaron Kraft not play, you know, 38 or 40 minutes. Right. You know, yeah. like you know, this was the first time he didn't. You know, that's what Shelly said. She goes, "Wait, Kraft is playing." I'm like, "Yeah." She goes, "Yeah," and she's like, "Well, he's not out there." I'm like, "Well, honey, yeah. age." You know, age. Like, it's medical age. school. It's uh, these, these things happen. Yeah, he's a doctor. Um, right. So it's uh, yeah. So that was I. I thoroughly enjoy it. I do. I think it's a great time. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's fun. It's it's uh. It really, it's just, it's just a fun little, little um, tournament to watch. It gives you something to do at this perfect time of the month when you're just cracking yep. in the NFL training camps, right? So, I really, I really do enjoy it. I think it's a great deal, and um, yeah, man, I, I, I hope that they always have a team, a team rolling in it. That's for sure. I hope they yep. always have a, a team to that we can cheer for because the yep. fans here love it, you know, and. Yep. and and it's great to see. And it's even funny because, like, as you're listening to Dan Dockich on the on the call, like he doesn't even call him Carmen's crew anymore. He just started calling him Ohio State. Like, well, he's not they trying, interviewed, they you interviewed know? Holtman. And yeah, he called him us. Yeah, you know, we missed this, we missed that. It was great yeah. to see the Holtman, by the way. And what a fantastic polo he was wearing. That the Holtman predominantly just a legend, gray. Isn't he? Well, the Holtman's I mean, a legend, but he's in this fantastic polo that's got like this huge gray stripe on it with the LeBron logo and the big Ohio State on the chest. Oh, jeez. Sharp, 
Just so oh, sharp out of him. So great to see. Great Just to a see legend, the old dude. Man. Well, crushing it recruiting, crushing it doing a little TV, does whatever he wants. The man rules his world. It's fantastic. <laughs> uh, Bill Connolly going to join us next uh, from ESPN. He's been all over the college football expansion, what it means, what are the next steps. We will get into that coming up next. Bishop and Laura Knight is right here on The Fan. Telling it like it is, even if that makes you uncomfortable. Common Man and Tebow. Weekdays from 3 to 6. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. It's Bishop and Laurinaitis's What's Up? What's up, man? What's up, Sponsored by your Central Ohio Honda dealers. All right, here's What's Up. And we're joined on the Brian Heating and Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline by our good buddy Bill Connolly, writer for ESPN on the college football front. And what a week we've had, Bill. Um, let, there, there's a lot, obviously, that's happened. And you've been all over it, bud. But let's, let's just start with this uh, from the standpoint of, of Texas and Oklahoma and their motivation. Um, what as as we sit here about a week past, what was the motivation to get here, and why was this done now? I mean, I guess if you wanted to take kind of a cynical long term view, you could, if you really believe the sort of well, they're going to be a thirty two team super league kind of stuff that we've been hearing a lot of the last couple of days, which I don't really believe at this point. And you could say they're just trying to get their their ticket punched or whatever, but I think it's way more simple than that. I think. They were getting tired of, of bigger conferences making more money uh, or teams from the bigger conferences uh, like the Big Ten and the SEC making more money. And uh, I know OU in particular never really loved its home schedule all that much, in part because Texas isn't on it. They, you know, It was Oklahoma State. It was Baylor TCU. They wanted more big-name home games to sell more tickets because fans weren't impressed with the schedules all that much. So to me, that's enough, more than enough motivation to, to give the yeah. SEC a call and see if you can start the process. And I think probably in this case, the simplest answer is, is the most likely one. And Bill, what you just said there brings up a great point for what the Big Ten needs to do. I, I've been saying this with Bo has as well. Outside of Oregon, you really, like, who on the schedule for Ohio State really makes you go, oh man, I'm, I'm nervous for that game. It really, you're a double digit favorite in every single game, even the Oregon game. So, does Ohio State have that same issue where, and I think they do, because when you look at the shoe, when they're playing Rutgers, when they're playing Maryland, they might claim a sellout, but it is not a sellout. It is not fully full. Do you think that that's going to be an issue for the Big Ten Conference? And their and their hopefully ambitions to maybe expand in the future. I mean, I don't know. Like, if if all that matters is ticket sales, which I mean, it's not all that matters. Obviously, the media rights at this point yep. are, are probably a bigger deal. Then, I mean, if if nothing else, then you know maybe trying to work on better scheduling arrangements with the Pac-12 or whatever. Make, maybe that makes sense. But I don't see what moves the conference could make to add bigger brands. So if that's all that matters, then maybe, yeah, maybe they, they, Ohio State would suddenly be motivated to join forces with Alabama or whatever. But I don't, I don't really see it. I do think I'm, I'm kind of relying on the power of rivalry with, like, Michigan, Ohio State and whatnot to tamp down any sort of future 32-team national college football division because I just hate the idea so much, and I hope it doesn't happen. Yeah, we don't either. I mean, I, we don't want that either. But but I also th- think that there is a part of this that the Big Ten has to be very careful about. Um, and I used this analogy earlier in the week. You don't want to be blockbuster video. 
And there is this feeling, I, I think 10 years from now, you look at this league and you see the, the population shift to the south. Um, we've got a lot of museum programs, as we call them here on the show, Bill. We've got a lot of programs that used to be great that I don't know if they can find a pathway back to being great. The recruiting talent in this area is not what it once was, save for Ohio. And even that, we've fallen off a little bit. Um, so we mentioned Michigan. Michigan's beat Ohio State twice in 20 years. And a lot of those games have been very lopsided. Um, so I do think that Ohio State specifically, and we continue to do this show in Columbus, I'm not so worried about Purdue and Indiana and their issues. I'm worried about the Ohio State football program and making sure that they are on a level playing field 10 years from now, not necessarily two or three years from now. Uh, do you think there is something that Ohio State can do here, and do they need to be a little selfish? I mean, I, I, man, I don't know. I, I think that... I mean, Ohio State, since, since adding uh, Maryland and Rutgers to the Big Ten, which in no way, shape, or form helped football or Ohio State's schedules or whatever, Ohio State has been whatever it is. They've lost, what, like three, four, five games in the last eight years or so in, in conference play. Like they, they've, they've dominated. They put themselves in the playoff conversation. They almost made the finals two years ago, probably, probably should have with the way that game played out. They did make the finals last year. They're basically either the second or third most sturdy program in the sport. And that's not going to change. Like it's, you know, with us, especially with a 16 team, uh, SEC, like I, I would be more worried about that move if I were a mid-tier Big Ten team, maybe losing more recruits to Kentucky and Missouri and whoever else uh, from the SEC because of maybe what those teams have to sell. Ohio State's setting recruiting ra- records at the moment, so I don't really see their long-term on-field quality being in in question here so it just comes down to whether they want to sell more tickets or or play alabama more often or whatever they have a pretty good they have it pretty good right now and i don't see that changing just because the sec added two teams yeah bill the the thing that gets me is i'm with you like the recruiting right now is incredible but the more that we've talked about this like Texas and Oklahoma's main push is going to be like, you want to play on Sundays? You want to play in the NFL? You want to constantly mm-hmm. be in prime time? Come, come play with us. Does that? Right. I mean, really, don't you think it's a both of these philosophies? Whether you're the Big Ten and Ohio State, which seems like they're going to stay put for now, and, and the trust of the tradition and the excellence of Ohio State and the way they're recruiting right now, versus the hope of the Longhorns and the Sooners saying, no, we're <laughs> going to actually get an up in recruiting. We're going to keep the Quinn Ewers home by promoting. You know what? We don't have to win every single game. It's a twelve-team playoff in the future. We have, we can, we're gonna have all the attention on us. We are the brand of college football. We're the SEC. Come, come play in what is basically the the minor leagues for the National Football League. It really is two different philosophies, isn't it? Sort of, but I mean, at the same time, OU and Texas are already signing top ten classes. OU's already yeah. signing top six classes. So I mean, their recruiting obviously could improve. You could end up with two more Alabamas here, but that's only gonna be a couple more guys that they're signing in a given year from a blue chip standpoint. So, I mean, if you're looking at it from that standpoint, then yeah, Ohio state is one of the only programs that should be concerned with OU and Texas uh, improving and recruiting. There's that. That's absolutely true, but uh, man, I just can't worry about Ohio state. Like I, I just like they're safe. They're, they're not going to be under threat. Like I said, I mean, the mid-tier teams, I think, have a big, the, the biggest sales change that happens at this point is with 
the Kentuckys of the world being able to say, hey, if you want to play, if you want to make it to Sunday, if you want to play against the best, you got to come to the SEC. And maybe Kentucky or Arkansas or whatever, they're, they're suddenly, instead of signing top 30, 40 classes, they're signing top 20 classes. And that's going to hurt, uh, you know, it well, insert the team here, Nebraska or Wisconsin or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, but Ohio State, like at worst, they're going to be slightly worse in recruiting, which is to say they're, they won't be setting per, to team records anymore with how good their recruiting classes are. And that, that's technically worse, but it's only so much worse. <clears throat> Yeah, and I, th- I think that's the that's the and it is our job to worry about Ohio State building. That's, right. that's we're that way by nature, right? We worry constantly about things, even when it's really really good. Um, but but the margin is so thin, and and I think when you look at this, the Big Ten, uh, it's hard to find any of the programs in this league other than this one in Columbus as one that is viable as a national recruiter a decade from now. And if you followed what's happened in the last 15 years, I think that that probably plays out. I think the two things the SEC are going to do, and I'm curious your thoughts on this, I think there's two narratives that they're going to set, and this will be their agenda. I think they're going to set a narrative that this is the Premier League. You follow European soccer. This is the EPL. This is the Premier League of college football. If you want to be great and you want to play the best week in and week out, Come here, because I think they're going to play nine, ten conference games. I think that's what they're going to yep. do, and they're because they're making TV shows. So every Saturday, I was going over Texas's potential schedule. It's crazy. Like their <laughs> worst games, Mississippi State. That would be an ESPN one primetime game uh, any other year, and that's going to be their worst game going forward if they go with this pod system. So they're going to say we're the Premier League, play the best of the best. You got to be here. The other thing they're going to do with the twelve team playoff is they're going to say, look, what's more impressive, nine and three in mm. in our league or 11-1 and one in yours. Who threatened you? You were double-digit favorites in every game you played. That's the two right. narratives that they're going to try to flip. Do you think that they're – do you buy into that, and do you think they'll be successful doing so? I think that – I mean, it's it's legit to be scared of that because we don't really know what they're going – how they're going to react. I mean, I can make a joke here that Texas hasn't really competed for a playoff bid in quite a while. So sure. why would that change yep. now? But, um, you know, there's no question that – you know, already the SEC, if you if you project backwards and you look at how a 12-team playoff would have taken shape in recent years, the SEC is probably getting three or four bids most likely. Now it's like three to five. Um, no question. Like four, three or four of the six at-large bids in the proposed 12-team playoff would quite possibly go to, um, to SEC teams. So if I'm the Pac-12, uh, you know, you project through these, you know, Colorado in 2016 would have made a 12-team playoff. Like, that might not happen now. Uh, not that Colorado deserved it anyway. But you're, if you're the Pac-12, you're now worried about getting two bids instead of, like, you might not get two bids. You might just get one in a 12-team field. Uh, but I do think there's, again, I don't think this concern applies to Ohio State because if you're yeah. 11-1, you're still getting in. And, um, I think the Big Ten would still be in very good position to get two bids every year at least. So uh, I think it hurts the Pac-12 more than anything. And it's funny, like the, we've seen uh, articles this last day or two about Pac-12 pushing back and other conferences pushing back on the 12-team idea because Greg Sankey was involved. And that's so it's an evil plot now when really if they're worried about 12 teams, it's because they might only get one team in now. And, and that should be the main concern, not who was involved on the subcommittee. Yeah, mm. it, it's it's fascinating stuff, Bill. And I, I, I'm curious, real quickly, uh, we're a little bit up against, but just real quickly, I know your yep. time is precious too. Do you think that there will be moves from the other conferences, or do you, how do you expect the next month to go? 
I mean, I, I've, I've given up guessing with realignment because I didn't see this coming for <laughs> yeah. sure. But I do. I mean, I just don't know what move the Big Ten would make is the problem. Like, if if, if there's a power move out there to merge with the Pac-12 or whatever, then I, I, I'm certainly open to it. It'd be great. But unless you're looking at basketball and looking at Kansas or whatever, or you think you can get Notre Dame out of their contract, then definitely do that. But otherwise, you're just you'd just be adding teams to add teams. And that's the tricky part. Bill, great stuff. Appreciate your time as always, bud. Absolutely. All right, that's Bill Connolly, uh, one of the greats writing for ESPN on the college football front and has been all over this topic. Uh, There's a lot to react to to that. And the word scheduling alignment, uh, we will get into that coming up next. Bishop and Laurinaitis right here on The Fan. Unlike your deadbeat uncle, we'll never leave you stranded in a ditch when you were six. This promo may have been a touch too specific. The Fan. Sports talk distilled to its purest form. You're listening to Bishop and Laurinaitis. For the kids out there, there's a, uh, a great Tom Cruise movie from the early 90s called The Firm. Uh, and in it, uh, Wilford Brimley, of all people, plays kind of like this uh, security guy for this firm that's a little bit crooked. And he has a line where he says, I get paid to be suspicious when there's nothing to be suspicious about. And that's how I feel about the Big Ten at Ohio yeah. State. I get paid to be worried when there's nothing to be worried about. Um, and that, that's what I meant to Bill when we were talking, when he said, I got nothing to worry about with Ohio State. And I, I think you do. Because I think you brought up a fantastic point uh, following up on the Oklahoma question. Oklahoma's worried about their their home schedule. We ought to be worried about our home schedule. And by the way, you're not going to get a scheduling alliance with Alabama because Alabama doesn't want to play you. They don't have to. They're going to play 10 SEC games. You're not going to play SEC teams in the non-conference. You can't give away the tickets to Rutgers games. No. I mean, you're not getting money for them anymore. This isn't Mm -mm. back in the day when, look, the the TV experience is so good, so you better have a damn good game to get people to drive down to the shoe, park, and do the whole deal. And we we can't keep living in the, well, at least they'll have the rivalry with Michigan. That's not a rivalry anymore. You sure? It's not a rivalry anymore. And and I understand the... um, you know, he's talking about we get to worry about Kentucky. I'm like, worry about it. We already are. Michigan State. Already are. The reason Ask why Michigan, Michigan State, State isn't good anymore is because Kentucky's right. stolen all the Ohio kids. So it's already happening. And I just think it's naive to look around the other schools in the north, even Notre Dame, Michigan, Penn State, and see the lack of talent on their rosters and just think that we're immune to it. I think that's naive. Agree. It's really naive. I agree with so you 100%. There's multiple things that should leave you worried. Um, and I think we'll survive it, but I think the conference needs to recognize we need to do something for Ohio State because Ohio State's been carrying us as a league, and so we need to make things more interesting for them and then you know trickle down kind of for everybody else in the conference. But it's just yeah, frustrating. I, I would man. say this. So when, when, and when Bill said, and I, I, Bill does great work, but when he, yeah, he says, when he says, hey, what, so what's the difference you're recruiting you know, you're record-breaking recruiting, you're recruiting sixth. The difference is being Ohio State or being Penn State. Because Penn State usually recruits in the top ten in the country. Michigan usually recruits in the top ten in the country. There's an enormous difference. And yeah. and we had Ari on this summer when he talked about that basically Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, and Georgia have 70% of the five stars. Yeah. And 60% of the four stars of the top 100 players in the country. They're all yeah. going to four schools. Yep. If if Texas or Oklahoma replaces us, and by the way, look where our guys are coming from. Right, the guys who are pushing us pushing us over the edge are the are five stars from Texas. They're from the yep. South in many instances. 
So those Garrett Wilson, Quinn Ewers, how many do we want to do? J.K. Dobbins, how many do we want to do? They're all now going to be in an SEC footprint. And and so now you lose a couple of those guys, and you go from recruiting in the top three to recruiting in seven. You go from being us to being Penn State. Mm -hmm. And that's an enormous talent difference. From us to being Notre Dame, the difference between one, two, three, and four in recruiting and five through ten in recruiting is the Grand Canyon. Yep. It's the Grand Canyon, man. Um, and so I think the word that you're going to hear a lot is going to be scheduling alignment. So I've heard all of this talk about the Pac-12. To be honest with you, I- I'm not interested in it. Right. I'd much rather do a scheduling alliance with the ACC. Yep. Same. I'd much rather play in a, in a footprint of the country where football really, really matters. Yep. I'd much rather play Clemson. I'd much rather play Florida State. My, I know they're down Miami, North Carolina. The idea, sure, playing USC's cool or Oregon, but are you going to get any juice about playing Arizona or Stanford or Cal? No. Oregon State? Like, to me, that's where the focus should be. And the AAU qualification limits you so much. There's two teams in the Big 12 that have that. It's Iowa State and Kansas. There's, I think, five in the ACC. There's a bunch in the Pac-12, so... That that limits you as far as conference expansion, so it's yeah. Um, be it's worried, a, be concerned. Yeah, just well, and you're concerned because of who's at who's in charge too, right? Sure. I mean, it's absolutely a guy that you wouldn't admit comments. that he made some error a year ago. You know, right? And right, man, they're going to do so, those two things. You watch the SEC yeah. is going to do those two things. They're going to yeah. say, if you want to be the best, play here. We play the best every week, of and they're going to say this is going to be the more challenging one. They're going to say eight and four, nine and three in our league is better than twelve and zero in yours, and they're going to try and flip the narrative on that. Now that's a hundred years of college football history that says you got to be undefeated or one loss to be a contender, and they're going to change the narrative on that. That will be their goal. That will be and their guess what? They'll Those have support. They will because, because guess who's twelve team their playoff? Partner. They'll get four or five teams in, and yes, ESPN will love that. Who's their part? Of course, ESPN. Of course, ESPN owns the playoff. It's going yes. to be. So, yeah, be concerned. Be concerned. Yep. It's not as dire for us as it is for others, but that little slip, it's yep. a small step, but it's a giant leap in college football from top to yep. eight in recruiting. It's a giant leap. Uh, we continue with 20 big questions. We hit the NFL, some breaking news out of Ravens camp as well we want to get to. Uh, that is coming up next. Get your Hey Guys questions in for 11 o'clock uh, at 971BLS. Hashtag Hey Guys. Anything you want, we'll answer those at 11. Uh, lots still to get to here on the program. Bishop and Laurinaitis right here on The Fan. A linebacker and a man of leisure. This doesn't even make sense. You're listening to Bishop and Laurinaitis. And it is a first Friday edition of the program, which means we'll get you officially endorsed here in about an hour and 45. You'll get your Hey Guys at 11. Get those questions into Chopper at 971BLS, hashtag Hey Guys, and we will answer them in about an hour from now. 20 big questions centers on Ezekiel Elliott in the NFL Buckeyes and who is poised for a big year this year. Uh, but before we get that, some news out of the NFL, and I must admit, buddy, some co- I, I'm having a hard time understanding it in regard to Lamar Jackson. Uh, you sent it to me originally, the stuff from Schefter, where he's out today from Ravens camp. Um, and so he tested positive at Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Um, and and w- we don't really have a lot of details on this. So I'm just going to read this uh, to you from Schefter. 
um, and and we'll see what sense we can make of it. But uh, Schefter's tweet from about an hour ago is Lamar Jackson not practicing today in COVID-related case. The league is still trying to process. Jackson, who tested positive on Thanksgiving, had another test that the NFL officials flagged. NFL now going through science and Ravens awaiting answers. Uh, and then with him out, he won't be. Okay, I see. So he tested positive in Thanksgiving at Thanksgiving, and the thinking is he tested positive again. Which that isn't that groundbreaking because we've had plenty of people who have tested positive uh, once and then got it again. It's been recurring. John we talked about that with John Rom. I think mm-hmm. yesterday or the day before. He's got twice um, while vaxxed. So, so you can get it again. Mm-hmm. Twice while vaxxed. Yes, and I think that is what's going to be the tricky thing. Is and we saw with Jeremiah Wusukoromoa with the Browns, who's in COVID protocol and he's down ten days. Um, yeah. Is is the way that I understand it that he'll be down ten days. Um, and I, I continued. The NFL is being very, very, very strict on this, and I understand it. But I also think that this is going to be a very bumpy road. And I think the notion of vaccinated players asymptomatic being held out for positive testing is going to be really tricky. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be very tricky. And and I, I I'm not really sure exactly how they're going to do it. I heard J.C. Treader earlier in the week. Uh, talk about, you know, we want more testing for vaccinated players. Um, okay. Why? With more tests, is going to come more positives. And right. if you're vaccinated, I don't know why we're testing. Right. So that's, I mean, that's the, vac- the thing. You know, wh- however you stand on that, like, the, the, you look at the data on the vaccine, and they do work from the standpoint of their effectiveness and their ability to keep people out of dire hospitalizations. Mm-hmm. Right, like they they work in that, and and that that's a whole other sh- topic, and I, I don't want to get into the whole thing. But yeah. if you are vaccinated, I don't understand the notion of vaccinated asymptomatic people not playing. So, what's I have a hard time with that. Yeah, because what we've done now is we've started to have all these incentives for people to get the vaccine. In society and in football, right? And so, yeah, you know, no masks indoors if you're vaccinated, you know? And now you can say what you want about the honor system. And people just said, well, the heck of it. They're not going to check me. I'm not wearing a mask. That's a whole other discussion. But the NFL went on this huge push about making it basically mandatory without it being mandatory because they thought it was going to work. Because I believe they wanted to get to a point where – if we got like 90% or in a perfect world, 100 Absolutely. of these guys vaccinated, we don't even have to test anymore. We can move on, and our product is secure. We're going to deliver a season. It's behind us. And now what's happened is a lot of the players have said, no, no, absolutely not. I'm not going with that. Um, and it's not just a few. I mean, the, I saw that the Washington football team's at about 50%. Um, and so yeah. now you have a, this situation to where we're testing everybody coming back anyway. Vaccinated players are testing positive, And I think they're kind of gathering with the doctors and saying, okay, now what? And if you want to increase that testing, because now anyone that isn't vaxxed, like you're like, hold on, I was supposed to have all these benefits, not tested all this stuff for getting vaxxed and having somewhat of a normal season. And now you're saying it's going to be basically really similar to last year. It's right. It just makes you scratch your head, you know. Like now, 
the and and look, I I try to just be patient and extend grace to people, right? Because look, we're not all going to see eye to eye. Because here's a mm-hmm. newsflash, everyone: all of our bodies are different. All of our bodies are different. All of our immune systems are different. We're yeah. going to react differently to it. it. It's just it is what it is, and we don't. None of us alive have lived through a pandemic before, and so. We're trying to just navigate these waters together, right? So extend some grace to people. But if you have this vaccine, be kind and as you like not, to say. It's working, like I, 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 no doubt. But it's just like the the place where we've gotten to with this, and the testing the vac- vaccinated players that are asymptomatic. And I understand that even vaccine vaccinated pl- people can get symptoms. I, I I get it. I know a couple, right? I know a couple who who have. Um. Yeah. But the, if you're asymptomatic, and you, like, you, I guess what I'm saying is they've they've they're starting to miss the whole incentive to do it, you know. And we've been told all this information, and this isn't just the NFL; it, it's what we're focusing on now. But big picture, right? We we're talking about well, is the Delta variant going to be blocked by the vaccine? It is. And then all of a sudden, now with numbers going up, they're requ- we're recommending vaccinate people wear masks inside again. And so now there's a whole bunch of the population that's vaccinated, and a couple of older people that I know, like in their 80s, are like, "The hell with that!" Like I got the shots. You know what I mean? Like I'm not, I'm not doing the mask thing again. And oh, that's gonna be, yeah, that's gonna be an ugly. That's you got a whole back and forth now, right? And yeah. you're just kind of like, <clears throat> you, look. And I understand. Like I said, I'm trying to extend grace because we've never, we've not been through this, right? And and we can't. It's impossible. To jump from a year from now, and are we still having the same conversation next fall, or is it just to a point where it's herd immunity, or is herd immunity disappeared? I don't even know. You know, it's because here's a newsflash: you're not going to get. I don't even know what the number will be at, but you're never going to get to 100 percent vaccination. Just like you don't get 100 percent vaccination on all the I other vaccines. That, you know, like it's just. I don't correct. even know where we are with this. All I know is that I think you. For football, they're trying to focus on if you're vaccinated and you test positive, what's your status? And that's with Lamar Jackson, it seems like, right now, right? Like he's – I or think you hit vaccinated. on it. I mean, for, for the purposes of us, for the purposes of us, this is what yeah. – and, and you know this well, having played in this league, and I know it having been around it you know, pretty closely the last four years. And yeah. by the way, we nailed it last year on how this was going to go. Go yeah. listen to the shows about us with the with the NFL season. They will deliver a season on time without delay. We said that over and over and over again, and it yep. led to teams like the Cleveland Browns playing playoff games without their head coach. Yeah, I mean the Broncos played a game without any quarterbacks. You think they're worried? That's all that. They, that's what. That's the NFL. Okay, it is a cutthroat. Do yeah. it, or we'll find somebody who else will. That's yeah. it. That's the list. That's the way That's they do the it. So yep. you hit it, and this is the most important part of it, what you said about what their hope was. Their hope was 85 90%, and they made it. They didn't say you have to get the vaccine because that's a problem. You right. can't force people to get vaccines. Right. right? You can't do that. But they, they, have, they as heavily incentivize people to get the vaccine as you can without yeah. saying you have to. Correct? We can all agree on that. Yes. Okay. And what they wanted was exactly what you said. They wanted 85 to 90% so they could stop testing. Yep. That's what they wanted, and that's what it would have been. And they didn't get it, so now they're trying to incentivize even further. 
and and you've got the head of the NFLPA, J.C. Treader, who's a good dude, saying, I think we ought to test more guys who have been vaccinated. Well, wait a second. Would you right. have done that if you had a 90% vaccination rate? Right. Probably yeah. not, Probably to your not. point. No, I don't think you would have. So yeah. they're in a bit of a mess here. And I, I do think, because it's the NFL, it's going to get sorted out in about two weeks. Mm-hmm. It'll all work itself out. Uh, because my guess is, my guess is that, Guys now are starting to realize, and I think you're probably going to see a lot of players start to get into the vaccine vaccine protocol. Maybe they got it started to get into it last week. Maybe they're getting into it this week. Uh, but that that these things will be sorted out. And my guess is, by the time you start this season in September, which by the way matters most, most of this league will be vaccinated, and not even by a, a decent. I think it'll be a high percentage because it's going to be almost impossible not to. And frankly, it's going to be a competitive disadvantage if you're not. Fair or not. The other yeah. thing is, is if you're a, a marginal player and you're not, you're going to get cut. Period. Yeah. For job security. Yeah. You're going to get cut. So that's just right. the reality of it. Yeah. And and I think you, you hit on it. That's what they were hoping for. Get us to 90 and we don't have to test. I'm wondering. They didn't um, get there, and so they still are. I'm wondering about the... The, the fascinating thing within that, though, is that if you start testing more and more and more and more, and those incentives go away, like the unvaxxed then look and say, well, we're both getting tested the same amount, and if I pass positive, you know what I mean? Does it actually incentivize them to say, well, I'm a, I, don't, I don't want to get tested, I want well, to be around? I don't know. I, don't, I, don't, I have no idea. Well, I'm here's the a- big big thing. The big carrot that's still out there is, if you are vaccinated, regardless of the, the testing's a pain, but the, 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 I think the two biggest carrots that are out there for vaccinated versus unvaccinated from the NFL perspective is unvaccinated players still have to do contact tracing. Yeah. And they still have to be locked off from society Everybody, at large. Yeah, they can't, yeah, they can't go. Just yeah. like last year. And when yeah. they go on road trips, they're locked in the hotel room. Yeah. Vaccinated players can live a normal life. Yeah. So that's still a tremendous carrot. That but then I what's unique about that is, are they, they that. test on game day, and you're letting the vaccine players go they walk about and be about. You're increasing their risk that they could be carriers of coronavirus and test positive, although they won't have symptoms or be affected by it. I, so that's my why hunch I, like, is on game day they're going to go to a Delta, They're going to go to the SEC testing policies. <laughs> we'll, <laughs> right. we'll test you on Tuesday. That's how that's going to go. There's not going to be a, whole a lot, lot of questions of so, on Sunday got, mornings. So, is Lamar, a lot of inconsistencies. Here's my question: Like, how are they considering? And this is just pure ignorance. This is not um, poking the bear at all, which I do. That's like a confusing kind of thing. thing. But I'm wondering, like, so if you've tested positive for coronavirus, and there's a natural immunity built up, and you're not vaxxed, when does that expire? How does the NFL treat somebody who's tested positive but not vaxxed and is like, I have natural immunity, I've overcome it? And is that what Lamar is facing, or is Lamar? tested positive, then got vaxxed, and has tested positive again, and they're trying to figure out what to do with those situations. There's so Here's many unique... You're... <clears throat> Even if you've been vaxxed so in January... this is the way January, I understand it. You know, like, if you've been vaxxed in January, they were at once saying that it only lasts six months. Now they're trying to say it lasts years, and they were saying it stops the Delta. Now they're saying it might not. Like, we don't know. It's it's evolving in front of our eyes, no. right? I'm just... I'm not saying it to be, um, you know, just... No, no, no. Just, just... I, and and don't, don't hold me to this. But my hunch is you will know if he's vaccinated by how long he's out. If right. he's vaccinated and he tests positive, it's a couple of days. Yeah. If he's vaccinated and it didn't test positive, if he's unvaccinated and he tests positive, it's going to be two weeks. Yeah. That's what it is. But it's going to be 
an absolute circus. Um, and and one of the uh, as as we switch gears to on the field, we will get to question number thirteen, and it's Ezekiel Elliott and his attempt at an elite return to form. We will get to that with Calvin Watkins covers the Cowboys for the morning news, and we'll get a checkup on Zeke and also Malik Hooker as well. That is coming up next. Bishman Laurinaitis right here in the fan. Feel unappreciated? Things not working out the way you imagined? Bad news. Sometimes life sucks. Good news. We don't. The Fan, Ohio's sports destination. A show that knows its limitations. Still learn to control that. You're listening to Bishop and Laurinaitis. Well, Bishop James Laurinaitis with you here. And heading out on the Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems fan guest hotline for a, a little expansion on our topic of Ezekiel Elliott and where he stands, the former Buckeye great, heading into a big year with the Cowboys. We're joined by Calvin Watkins, covers the Cowboys for the Dallas Morning News. Calvin, thank you so much for taking the time. The Cowboys out there, of course, playing in that Hall of Fame game, so you've had a chance to see him a little bit. Let's just start there with Zeke. How's he look? He looks great. Um, I'm sure you guys saw the video offseason. We've got a 12-pack. And uh, uh, he's lost <laughs> a lot of weight. He's at 218 pounds. But, no, um, uh, you know, out here the last, I guess we had four practices so far, uh, he's looked really good. He's, he looks a little bit quicker than he did last, the last couple of years when, he, when we've seen him in these uh, training camp practices. Um, he's got a little feistiness to him, which is really good. You like to see that. So, uh, yeah, I think he's, he's doing good so far. Calvin, how how important is Zeke? I mean, obviously Dak is is the main attention this year, right? As he comes back from injury, but I, I just know that a, a balanced attack right on offense and Zeke and that offensive line. Just how important is he for the expectations of the Cowboys' season this fall? Yeah, you always want you know balance in the offense, as you guys know, and you can't get it if you don't have a your offensive line <laughs> and b if you don't have a good running back and. I think this season, now that, you know, the line is supposedly going to be healthy, uh, as you said, Dak is back. and But you need your running back to, to kind of complete everything. And from what we've seen so far from listening to him talk um, and the coaches talk, they want a balanced attack, especially in the fourth quarter if you're up by two scores and you're trying to close the show. So you got to hand the ball to 21. And, and I think this year, if, if that – can happen on a more consistent basis. They will give it to Zeke, and they will balance the the, the offense, especially if, if Elliott is healthy. Calvin, it, it seems like from from the outside looking in, the thirty thousand feet view uh, of the Cowboys, and specifically on Zeke, is that this would be a, a very very big year. Um, you know, he's he's going into year six with the Cowboys. Uh, there's heady stuff here because I mean, when you're a Cowboys legend, then that's something that's kind of, there's an immortality that comes with that. And I would think that that's stuff that he's not considering, but just that's our job to look at things from the the big picture standpoint. He's five years in, four great years, uh, a little bit off, but everybody was off a year ago. Dak comes back. It's a division that's very, very winnable. I would think they'd be the big favorite in that division to, to take care of it. Um, is there pressure on Zeke? Is there pressure on this Cowboys team, uh, more so than even normal covering uh, a team like the Dallas Cowboys? You know, there's always pressure on this team to win. Everyone, you know, from afar, even up close, will we'll, we'll say, oh, the Cowboys won the division. They have some of the best talent, you know, in the league and, and those kinds of things. Um and, and, you know, we, it's like playing for Ohio State. There's an expectation there. And, and Zeke knows that going to Ohio State, now going to the Cowboys. He faced his rookie year. Um, you know, when Dak and, and Zeke came onto the scene, 
is because Tony Romo got hurt. And so they, they felt the pressure immediately. And they and they responded to it. Now, yeah, this is year six. So you could say four years, maybe out of these five years that he's actually played, he's been fantastic. Uh, last year was just one of those years where physically he just wasn't himself and he didn't have the personnel in front of him to help him. But expectations always going to be there with the Cowboys. The owner, he puts expectations on these guys. And look, the, the fan base here is tired of, of, of waiting. You know, the Cowboys haven't gotten out of the second round in about 25 years. So, you know, they all hope that this is the year they can make a push and make a deep playoff run. Calvin, I, I'm wondering a whole lot of attention in the draft on that defense, right? Micah Parsons is obviously the the headline there when it comes defensively. Just where where is this? What are the expectations, I guess I should say, for the defensive side of the football for the Cowboys. And we see the Buckeye Malik Hooker signing with Dallas. What are the chances of him making this team and making an impact? Well, Hooker um, in practice yesterday, uh, I think he's got one more day to go through the protocols. Um, but the fact that they signed him and he's coming off a torn Achilles tells you that they have some concerns that it's a safety position. Um, Donovan Wilson's probably the best safety because he makes plays on the ball. But coverage-wise, they're a mess. So maybe Malik Cooper can kind of solve some of those issues. Um, defensively, this was one of the worst defenses in franchise history last year. Mm-hmm. They had to make all kinds of changes, as you said, about the draft. I think they drafted nine of the 11 guys with defensive players. They had a new defensive coordinator, Dan Quinn. They're going back to a defensive scheme that they had two years ago. Um, so the, the, the big issue is the personnel that they made the right decisions in free agency and in the draft. And I'm not sure right now how that's going to look until uh, you see them against Tampa in week one. Calvin, we um, so certainly saw Jerry's availability at the start of camp and how emotional uh, he got. Uh, I think from the outside looking in, that's probably pretty obvious that he's been desperately chasing, uh, you know, to get back to that Super Bowl for a very, very long time. Uh, does he feel like this team is close to that? Uh, he wouldn't say, um, but most old guys get emotional. <laughs> Uh, you know, especially, you know, you're 78 years old. Um, It's been a while since Jerry has said, I think this is a Super Bowl winning team. Um, Last year was just an aberration for the Cowboys in in their minds. Um, But but reality was that's who they were. And everyone went through the same things in terms of the the coronavirus protocols and all those kinds of things. And everyone had to go through virtual meetings. Cowboys just just failed at just adjusting to the way the league was was set up last year. So now this year, things are a little bit back to normal. So you can't, there's no more excuses. And Jerry understands that. I think he, as he's getting older, his expectations have gotten more realistic. But the desire to win the Super Bowl is still always there. Offensively, the Cowboys are fantastic. They have great weapons offensively. The f- defensively is where the issues are. And as we said, you're not sure if they've drafted well. You're not sure if they've made the right decisions for agency. You like some of the names that they have, but you don't know if they can actually perform until we get on the field. And we're going to see that for another month or so. Yeah. Yeah, Calvin, what's your what's your biggest concern? I mean, we mentioned the worst defense, obviously, historically last year for, mm-hmm. for the Cowboys. Are you more concerned with the defense? You mentioned they have talent. They've they've added some names. You know, there's a whole lot of questions with will these rookies perform and make an impact, or is it the health of the offensive line? I mean, talent there as well, but 
not a lot of reps, you know, and, and guys that have been dinged up. Which of those two things do you think can derail what should be an NFC East winning uh, Cowboys team? I think the defense should be better. Uh, I don't know if they'll lead the league in total defense, but, it, but anything is better than last year. Um, the Cowboys are going to outscore you. You know, If it's a shootout, Dallas can, can hang with you. The problem is they got to be able to slow people down or stop somebody to get off the field. You know, And that's the, my biggest concern is can this defense slow someone down in the third quarter, in the fourth quarter, when the game's on the line, and give the ball back to Zeke and Dak so they can close the game out. And I'm not sure if they can do that right now. Um, I, I like some of the things they've done defensively, especially at secondary. Um, in the secondary, had like four interceptions yesterday at practice. Dak got picked off three times yesterday. But as you know, the Cowboys are not playing on air. So as I said, when they played you know, Tampa Bay in week one, then they got the Chargers in week two, and then they got that division. Then we'll really get to find out if any of these guys will, A, stay healthy on the defensive side, and B, if they can make plays. Calvin, excellent stuff, man. Thank you for joining us today. Appreciate you a great deal. I appreciate you guys. Take it easy. All right, that's Calvin Watkins. Covers the Cowboys for the Dallas Morning News. They seem to me, and we'll get into two-a-days in August once it gets closer, um, and we go around every team, all the divisions, but what they seem to me is like a paper tiger. Like, I think their record, because I don't necessarily, I think the NFC East is the worst division in football, probably. Yeah. yeah. That their record could be a little bit of fool's gold. Because mm-hmm. they're going to play an easy, they should play a relatively easy schedule. They you have to have one of the worst, you know, their, their record last year was what it was. So they, they should get an easier schedule. And their division's bad. I haven't looked at their game to game, but I, I've been feeling like there could be a little fool's gold in Dallas, pal. Yeah. They could be coasting to, um, you know, a certain point, and and you'd be like, oh man, the Cowboys, and they're gonna get all the attention, and they'll always be yeah. on prime time, or they'll be in that afternoon Fox window. You know, you got yep. Joe and Troy on the call always, and then you just get a feeling that when they get to the playoffs and face better teams, ooh, ah, I don't know. I'm with you there. I'm yeah. with you there. Yeah. All right, we go around the NFL coming up next. Uh, you won't believe. Well, you might believe because we've told you, but he. Sean Watson showed up. It's a crazy thing. The NFL, by the way, did comment on it. We will get you that. Get your Hey Guys questions into Chopper at 971BLS on Twitter. Hashtag Hey Guys for those. We will get to that at 11 o'clock. Bishop and Laurinaitis right here on The Fan. Man and Bone have a simple philosophy for their show. Talk some sports, have some laughs, and get very fat. Common Man and T-Bone. Weekdays at 3. The Fan. Bow is well groomed. James brings the boom. You are listening to Bishop and Laurinaitis. Well, we wonder if the NFL would ever weigh in. They did. Deshaun Watson. No restrictions from the NFL. So just a surreal scene this morning in Houston. <laughs> he reports to camp. He's got a red practice jersey on and a hoodie. He goes into the Texans bubble, right? Then he comes out, and I saw Steve Weish of the NFL Network putting this out there. He comes out of the bubble. And he's he's not wearing the red. Don't touch me. He's just wearing a hoodie, taking snaps. Mm. How surreal is this? It's amazing. He doesn't want to be there. It's like your ex. You know, it's like someone's ex girlfriend showed up to the party. Like, wait, no, we broke up. You're not. I thought we broke up. Why are you here? Why are you here? <laughs> uh, we broke up on Facebook. You didn't actually tell me. No, I don't know. I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. The NFL, man. Between that 
the NFL saying, you know what, we're just we're positive on this. There's no, he's fine. No restrictions for Deshaun. And you're like, okay. And then, which will backfire, by the way, if there's any legal stuff that comes through this, it will backfire so big on the league. And just because, I mean, if, whatever they can, they can obviously take it on. But then you have Aaron Rodgers basically negotiating a deal for a year and then saying, but Randall Cobb has to come back as if that's like the, the one thing that's going to get them over the top. And you had there the, the guy who's, I don't know. Do you, can you explain to me in 30 seconds, like who makes money off the Packers? So when the Packers get the, so the NFL start up, I don't know what it is, the new TV deal, but it used to be the new, the old TV deal. Ownership would get $250 million off the top before they sold a ticket, before they sold Merchandise, beard, parking, yeah. anything, two hundred fifty million off the TV it's deal. Shareholders, who gets so that? I don't know. Right, but like you can buy, like fans can quote buy ownership of the Packers, which we all know is nonsense. But like, who are the people profiting on the Packers? Mm. And I ask genuinely, I don't know, and, and I don't cover the Packers, so it's not like it's something I need to know. Uh, yeah. But it comes up in regard to this Aaron Rodgers thing because he's mad at Murphy. Uh, and the guy who's the GM, whose name escapes at the moment, um, who spoke today and said, you know, Aaron's earned the right to be reevaluated every year. That was his response yeah. to Aaron being a free agent after this year, that he's earned the right to be reevaluated every year. So that's what he'll do. <laughs> Crazy. Um, oh my God. But I just was wondering, like, who profits off the Packers? I don't know. Do you feel like – I feel like HBO really missed the boat here. And I, look, they went to Texas and did Dallas because yeah. obviously there's no restrictions, right, in Texas. But I think I want to I want a behind the scenes of Aaron Rodgers walking by Brian. Uh, was it Gutekist or whatever his name is, the GM? I want him. Yeah. I want to see yeah. that interaction. You know, I want to see the like. Does he just not even acknowledge that he's there? Does he do the handshake, you know, and then the whiff, the pull behind and put his hand yeah. behind his ear? You know, does he not even take his sunglasses? I mean, I can just totally see A-Rod walking in and not even taking sunglasses off inside, you know, just rocking with the shades inside, not even looking at it. It's him. all in play. I mean, that's the relationship that I wanted to see. Um, although I will say Aaron's pretty, like, he is who he is. Like, there's no, um, like, do, his body language speaks louder than his words. And so, like, whenever you see his body language with Peter LaFleur, um, it's pretty telling, you know? And then just all the comments this offseason, man, where they asked about the, what was it, the field goal? Remember when he hosted Jeopardy? Just the little jabs. Just little so jabs. I need yeah. those interactions. I need that interaction. Oh, oh yeah. man. The NFL, yeah. man. Thank goodness. It's, I mean, what better content provider than National Football League? There's just so many things that happen where you go, what? Huh? And yet here's this multi-billion dollar machine. Yeah. That is just going to keep on keeping on. But um, I have so no the idea Packers, what's going on uh, with Deshaun Watson. No. Well, yeah. yeah. Real quick on the Packers since I asked the question. So they're, they're, the Green Bay Packers um, are, of course, publicly owned, which, which we know. They have 360,000 shareholders, which is crazy. Um, they have... No one allow, is allowed to hold more than 200,000 shares, which represents approximately 4% of the 5 million shares currently outstanding. Um, when they have a profit, they put it into the fund. So I don't know who... I mean, it's it's the only one in, in, in the United States that's this way. Yeah. 
which I knew that was the case. Uh, but the elected president is Mark Murphy, who represents the corporation at NFL owners meetings and other function. The president is the only officer who receives compensation. The balance of the committee sits gratis on their executive board and their committee. Hmm. So there's just a pile of money somewhere that everybody's getting. That's right. Shares in 1923 sold for five bucks a piece. Hmm. Two hundred and fifty dollars each in 2011. That's cr- that's cr- that's a crazy crazy sir. I guess I've never looked into it. I knew that they were, you know, I knew that the people, oh, you own share of the Packers, but you don't ever get anything from it, other than to say you own shares. The money must just keep stacking in the in it. It's a it's a remarkable thing. It's I guess that's cloud? what allows them to. Is it in the cloud? Do the stadium somewhere? and. Is it- <laughs> It's on the line. I don't know where it is. It is it Bitcoin? You just don't know? It's somewhere? Don't know. It's the craziest it? thing ever. Um, as for Watson, like, this is so uncomfortable. Oh, of course. It's great, man. You I mean, know, it's, like, what's more uncomfortable? Deshaun Watson or, like, OU Texas showing up to, you know, next year's same. Big 12 Media Days? You know? like They're same. <laughs> it's what they are. I mean, this is a pretty remarkable thing. I mean, this is so complicated mm. with no resolution. There's no restriction on Deshaun from the NFL, so theoretically, like they're going to have to make him, you know, the 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 aren't they going to have to come up with some agreement between him and them? Because if he's healthy, they wouldn't they play him? You have to start him because if not, now you're insulting right. like everyone's intelligence. Like he is the best quarterback on your roster, and if yes. he, and if he's on your roster, who's getting first team reps? Him or Tyrod and, Taylor? And you have it like what no, are we doing? Yeah. How's that? I gosh, another camera. Can we can we get like the Put behind one the there. scenes of the quarterback room with Tyrod saying, "Hey, hold on a second. I thought you guys said Deshaun wasn't going to be here. Deshaun, bro, I thought you weren't going to play." Dude, well, Tyrod yeah, no Taylor is <laughs> chesty, chesty. Tyrod Taylor thinks he's a franchise quarterback. He does, and he's been paid that way, so I understand why he can. But like, he thinks it's his room. He now, does. So Deshaun Watson walks in. Yeah. Jeez, what a mess. Gosh. Oh my gosh! This would be what like an unmitigated disaster. Oh man! Be, can you imagine like Cam Newton still in Carolina and like having a dispute and, and nobody wanted him in that room and Sam Donald's there? Like, wait, I thought it was me, guys. Like yeah. Tyrod took all the <laughs> reps. In the- <laughs> right? Tyrod's been forming all these relationships, building. Like, oh man, yeah. we're gonna ball this fall. And then Deshaun walks in, hold my beer. Yeah. Um. Excuse me, here, sir. Hold what are you the doing clipboard. here? Well, I'm under contract, right? I'm not getting fined this. I'm not taking so a like, $50,000 a day kit. And then every single question, if he's not taking the first team reps, why isn't Deshaun starting? Right. Uh, you know, he's not. The, he's complicated. Like, what he do you say? He hasn't earned the job. What? Unreal. He wasn't I here can't. in the offseason? What I are we can't. doing? What's what the head mess. coach's name again? I don't even know the coach's name. Down Cully. There. David Cully, isn't That's it? That's right. Who was with Philly. That's right. Good luck on all that. <sighs> You're going to need it. We hit thing or not a thing up next. Uh, get your Hey Guys questions into Chopper as well for the top of the hour. Ooh, hey guys. Right Let's here. If it's Buckeye football you crave, you've come to the right place. And if it's day drinking you crave, you've also come to the right place. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. The classiest show on this station, which isn't saying much. This is Bishop and Laurenitis. So our guy Landry Locker down in Houston, we've had on before. Tyrod Taylor is taking first team reps as the quarterback of the Texans' first session. Deshaun Watson is observing with a hoodie on his head. Is the only player without a helmet on. Goodness, <laughs> you can't make this up. Can you imagine? Good. Yes, free. because I know guys that way, man. I know guys who are. This is the real text I got, by the way, from our man William Hayes. Okay. <laughs> 
this is what I've dealt with in the um, in the locker room, okay, over and over. This is Monday at 6.30 p.m. The more I look at the Olympics, the more I realize I shorted myself in life. I've seen at least three <laughs> events I'd place gold at. Yes. <laughs> awesome. I mean, love that guy. And That's it just great. starts the conversation of like, get out of here. Same guy that used to say, oh, in high school hoops, man, I used to average like 35, 12, and 12. And you're like, shut up. Well, no, you didn't. <laughs> Swear I did. I'm like, okay, well, you know, and okay. I could just do it with a dead serious face, yeah. you know, but what a legend. All right. That's fantastic. Time for a little thing or not a thing. Hit a chopper. Bishop and Laurenitis. Thing or not a thing. Sponsored by Geico Insurance. Here we go on a first Friday. Stanford coach David Shaw on Bama QB Bryce Young. Quote, a kid gets a seven-figure deal before he even starts a game. That's fair market value. I don't think that's fair market value. That's Alabama value. Thing or not a thing? <laughs> what a recruiting pitch. I was just, hey, David Shaw, guess what? Your quote just ended up on a recruiting board in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, that's it. Take the quote, put it on the wall in Tuscaloosa. Yep. David Shaw, Stanford coach. Yep. No question. I mean, why would you say that? Well, Nick Saban already, I mean, he already said it where he's like, we got seven figure already for my quarterback. Like, saying No, no, that, I get it, but like, this is the opposing coach basically acknowledging. Oh, it's apples and avocados, man. You know, like, go to Bama. That's yes. where the money is. We can't yes. match it. Not Sorry. that recruiting against Bama Stanford, anyway. You are but... not getting that here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What about Andrew Luck? Yeah, no. No. Unless you want to start a book club. Nope. You're not getting that. Not out happening. Here. Sorry. Yeah. Blue Jackets forward Patrick Laine has reportedly accepted his one-year $7.5 million qualifying offer. Thing or not a thing? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a thing. You know, it's interesting. We had Porty on a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about, you know, Laine and what's his value and, you know, trading him for a nickel on the dollar, and he said that he didn't buy that, uh, that there was still big value because people believe in what his talent is. Yeah. And I do think that there is a hope here. He's kind of a forgotten man. And I think there's a hope that, hey, with a change at the top from a coaching mm-hmm. standpoint, is it different for him? Yeah. I and hope so. i on that. I hope Me so. Me too. Um, Life's better He's got, if he's it's got true. a snipe. And, uh, you know, what Porty kept saying is that look, there was a lot of habits last year that were just poor out of him. Um, and look, I watch, I watch some of the games you watch and you don't see him back checking or hustling or playing, to, right? Those are, those are things that would drive towards nuts. To be honest, they'll drive any hockey coach nuts you know there's simple things that don't take talent right you don't have to be elite at all of it but if it's a if it's an effort thing then that becomes an issue for honestly every coach you know and and how you handle those situations maybe can can kind of change and how you go about it and how you address the athlete but with patrick line i'm hopeful that he is um kind of returns to form a little bit gets his confidence back you know new coach some of the older uh, established guys out of there, not that there are problems, but it's like you get a sense that if he really embraces it and thinks, okay, you can look at this one or two ways. You can be like, woe is me. I'm on a franchise that's rebuilding, blah, blah, blah. This stinks. I'm better than this. You can go that route. Or you can say, you know what? This is a fresh opportunity here. I could have my face all over the side of Nationwide. I could really embrace it and try to be the change and be a part of the building blocks if I really want to and try to stand out here. Just depends Even on what more selfishly, he could say, I could ball out and have value and be traded to a contender and yeah. get out of here. But yeah. the best way for him to, either way, whether it's here or somewhere else, the best way is for him to be great, yep. which he's capable of. 
Dolphins cornerback Xavier Howard announces via Instagram that he has requested a trade. His post reading in part, I don't feel valued or respected by the Dolphins. Just like they can take a business-first approach, so can Mm. I. That's why I want to make it clear I'm not happy and have requested a trade. Thing or not a thing? I'm going to say not a thing because he's too good, and I think this thing gets sorted out. Um, Their roster's too good. The only thing they don't have is quarterback. Everything else is really good. And you want to build around him. So I think this is something that agents drive and, and players drive and it gets to this point, this negotiating ploy. My guess is they get an extension done, and he's a dolphin. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, going to going to social, releasing the whole statement, um, yeah. trying to put pressure on the team. You know, trying to get he's trying to get the fans of Miami to start screaming on social media about how in the heck could you not extend this guy, right? And so, um, we'll see where it leads. But you're right; he's too good not to not to take care of. But this yeah. is. He's not the only guy. Like, there's guys on every single team as they sign a deal or they do an extension. They look around. They see what the market is now. And you're like, ooh, well, I'm hold on. I'm this guy. I'm better than that guy. My money should reflect yeah. it. And then do you have the boldness to basically sit out? Two more for you. The Chicago Blackhawks acquired goaltender Marc-Andre Fleury from the Las Vegas Golden Knights in exchange for a minor league forward on Tuesday. But Fleury may not join Chicago as he is going to evaluate his hockey future at this time thing or not a thing mm. so the biggest thing in this is he found out on twitter mm. like he is arguably the most important player in the history of that very young franchise and yeah. goaltended them all the way to a stanley cup final and he found out on twitter mm. that's just disappointing man right that's really cold-blooded yeah that's that, that's just pro sports man like somewhere along the line you just forget how yeah. to be decent um Yes, and and I don't know, man. Like, just who knows? It, it's it, it's just disappointing. <laughs> I don't even know how to word it. Like, well, you think it's common sense? I get the same feeling when I have a close friend who just decides, like, hey, I'm just going to post on Twitter. Like, I'm old school. You know what I mean? Like, if I'm having a child, yeah, I'm going to give you a phone call. Although there might be some people who are like, I never received a phone call from you, James. I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> be the, careful. Yeah. But anyway, like, I, I give a phone call to family. And the closest friends that I would expect to hear a phone call from in that situation. But some people, just, they just tweet it. I'm like, bro, you couldn't have told me? I did. Via Twitter. I'm like, yeah, with all 50,000 of the other people. Like, so? It's easier. Okay. I'm old school. It's like the old saying goes, what happens in Vegas gets found out on Twitter. Last one for you. <laughs> it's true. Tony Ro- back with you, definitely. Didn't stay there. <laughs> Tony Romo and Johnny Manziel are part of the field competing at the Texas State Open Golf Tournament this week. Also saw that Romo was in a golf cart with AC and doors during yesterday's 100-plus <laughs> degree wow. heat in the opening round. Thing or not a thing? I mean, you run in these circles. Have you ever seen a I golf cart I don't stop. With AC You're the one with the pool installation. Okay, this guy talking about I run in these circles. Please. Hey, Chops. I've never this seen guy a golf over here cart has with an, doors. has an estate laid out with a with a pool going in and just sprawled is, out. Meanwhile, is, I'm looking out my window no. in the guest room and I see my neighbor's pool and my neighbor's whole window is like there's no one private part of my backyard. Bo can't say the same. <laughs> there's uh, most much of what you said is is just absolutely incorrect. Most. All I know is that after one reading this Chops, after reading this, Bo is going to call and be like, hey, I, is it possible to, yeah, I know where to change is. my already purchased golf cart and make put doors and a roof and AC <laughs> and all that stuff on it? Where do That's I, what he's doing. Have you ever seen one of these? Golf cart. No. Well, I would I've if I could. Have you ever seen a golf cart with doors? No. 
By the way, as a side note, and I know we're up against it, but don't you have a feeling that the Texas State Open Golf Tournament is a hell of a good time? Doesn't oh, yeah, that Johnny strike you there. as a heck yeah. of a good time? Yeah, all you gotta yeah. say is Johnny Manziel showed that up. That there's... It must be a great time. Yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of tin cup guys. As my everyone guess. knows, you had a great time, time of their lives. Yeah. <laughs> all right, we hit. Hey guys, get your questions in. Not too late. Get them into Chopper hashtag. Hey guys at nine seven one BLS. We get into that coming up next, and a lot in the sports world here in the final hour. Get your officially endorsed in about an hour as well. Bishop and Lorenite is right here in the fan. If you're looking for the radio home of the crew, you've come to the right place. Because if we weren't, this promo would be very stupid. Proud to be your crew station, the fan. Simultaneously passing the eye test, the smell test, and the ear test. Huge win. That's a big win. This is Bishop and Laurinaitis. And time for a little Hey Guys on a first Friday edition of the program. Chops is here. Hit it, Chopper. Nothing is off limits. Your participation is required. Just use the hashtag HeyGuys and ask Bishop and Laurenitis anything you want. Do it now. All right, we got a few of them rolling in today. If anybody's out there, we could probably maybe even fit yours in if you still want to send them in. But first one from Aaron. Hey, guys, what would you guys do for a living if sports wasn't an option? Oh, Oh, man. Gosh. I was going to go with pro wrestling, but that's sports entertainment technically. Um, (laughs) Man, that's a great question. When I say I, I mean, had no plan seen, B, go ahead. I had no plan B. <laughs> like, and it wasn't a like an arrogance, you know. Like, you meet some people who are like five stars, as like, you know, or yeah. getting recruited to middle school, getting offered by Lane Kiffin, you know. And you're like, all right, that's that was not my story. So, I remember being like in middle school, and our quarterback, um, his mom, being like, James, what do you want to do, you know, in college? I play football. What do we want to do after? playing football in college well i hope to play in the nfl you know what well that's cute james you know remember her laughing at me and then being like what's your plan b and i'm like i don't know Eh. play football as long as i can and there was no other option okay so if not sports well you got you had so much success so early at ohio state that i you know like you weren't it's not like it was like going into your senior year you're like boy i hope i can get on the field you know so i think that probably you're such a planner. Like I'm guessing that contributes. Um, well, I I do know. I I mean, I, if you've seen the movie Yellowstone, I would essentially be a less smarmy. Uh, what's what's the kid? What's the Dutton kid's name? Who they beat up on all the time? I'd be a less a less like less of less swarmy that guy. That's who I would be. Jamie Dutton. That's who I would be. I'd be on the Yellowstone Dutton Ranch, uh, <laughs> having my dad yell at me all the time. That's how it would go. And my, the oh, difference would be man. my younger brother would be Rip, and I would throw him through windows, and, and that's the reality of how that would go. Mm. Up next, Big yeah, says... Jamie Dutton, that's where you're at. Big says, hey guys, I'm currently in year five of the Arizona rebuild on NCAA football. Did you guys rebuild any teams or just play with the Buckeyes? <laughs> oh, I rebuilt. I created oh, no. a team. Well, I you created did. a team. Minnesota yep. State, didn't you? Minnesota State. I created a team, logo, stadium, the whole deal, which takes up a whole afternoon in its own right. Um, when you're creating a stadium and, and color schemes and uniforms and all that, that can really take up some time. Had to really push hard to recruit well. Had to beat the ghosts in some tough battles. 
Um, eventually created player James Laurinaitis at quarterback. Um, you know, that happened to be from Plymouth, Minnesota. Got recruited there and That's really right. just tore it up. You know, nice little 95 speed, <laughs> 99 arm strength, accuracy. He really helped. Once he got the Heisman conversation, recruiting really took off for us, uh, for the Mavs. So, um, sure. You know, just that was that was important. That was important to me. But yeah, I did do builds. Want to know why? Because I used to play with the Gophers because they were my favorite team, and they were never just at the yeah. top. So I was always playing with Marion Barber the third and trying to rack up some yards for him. You know, I was, you know, I would say in general that my NCAA, what I like doing on NCAA football on the dynasty mode was I would rarely play more than two years, and I would I would most often play. Um, play like two seasons with the Buckeyes, and I'd be like, "Boy, I'd like to play two seasons in the SEC." Let me play a year with Ole Miss. Let me play a couple years with Ole Miss, and then I'd go to the Big Twelve. Let me play a couple years with Texas. Let me play a yeah. couple years with Oregon. Whatever. The only time though that I did do, I've done this a couple times years and years ago. I did do. I tried to. What I tried to do is go with. The, I go to the service academies. So make Navy a juggernaut running triple yeah. option. Make Army a juggernaut running triple option. And that was fun. I, I found that to be fun. Uh, I did that a couple of times. I Maybe a long, long time ago, maybe did a Montana State build out. Uh, but that's, you know, that's tough. Hmm. Tony says, hey, guys, this might have already been asked. James, Trestle always seems so refined on camera. Did he ever lose it or go crazy in the locker room to get the team motivated? If so, what's the best story? No. No. Trest never never got animated you would sense a little bit more intensity during the you know uh the week against michigan um but he always i'll I'll never forget like the most eddie george gave a speech playing before he played michigan in 2005 and the passion that came out of eddie would make anybody listening want to run through a locker like the old school metal lockers that are in mm-hmm. high school like just go ahead and dent it He's with an your incredible light man helmet off so like you got so amped hearing the passion almost like the voice cracking almost to tears about his feeling of losing to them you know um and how it's one of the biggest regrets of his career and all this or whatever and a lot of um expletives and then Tress summarizing the speech at, like he always would, you know, after Eddie just gone absolutely crazy. And, uh, you know, he never, he would never cuss in that manner. Uh, he did one time, I think, at, at Bobby Carpenter, but I can't, I can't repeat that story on air. <laughs> that had to do with a delayed was flight the- to Happy Valley and Bobby voicing his go. opinion on the bus about the way it was handled and, and, uh, well, Trust responding to that. That was quite that was quite enjoyable. That was that's unlike Bob to voice his opinion no, on something no, where his no, opinion no, no. isn't necessarily I mean, asked for. Hungry, Especially on a flight. Bob, after a delayed flight, right. you know, you're supposed to fly in a happy valley and said we move it to Harrisburg and then as the buses are pulling out, you know, where they go the wrong way and so you have like four buses backing up and how long that takes and Bob hasn't eaten anything since so the easy living lunchbox you know when the original flight time was and so and then they ask, put a movie on the bus as we bus from Harrisburg to Happy Valley and he chooses Boondock Saints there's a whole lot going on there that led to <laughs> everyone being upset you know Tress was uh, I've said that he was unflappable in any sort of public that's why he was the senator 
I mean, he could filibuster anything. He could talk forever about nothing. He would answer a, and I use the word answer lightly. You would ask, that's why Urban was so refreshing. And I like them both. They're both great, and they're both different ways of going about their business. I'm appreciative of both of them. But that's what was so refreshing about when Urban came here. You ask Urban a direct question, you got a direct answer. Yep. You ask Tress a question, who knows where it ends up? Yep. By the end of it, you're just like, I, I don't, you feel like the principal in Billy Madison. Yep. There's no, I mean, there's no getting him off course. Um, None. You, he's, he's a, like, honestly, he's a vault. You know, like, if I called him up and had a conversation and wanted to try to get into any kind of conversation about anything that could even be remotely controversial, like, there's no way. There's no way to get to it. Like, he's just, he's just so authentic in that way. You know, um, so focused on making Youngstown State just as great as it can be and give him back. That's it. Really blinders too, right? Like, yes. is, it's, he's almost immune to distraction. Yeah. The focus is only on what is direct in front of him. Like, it's not. And he loves does not allow public service. Like, he loves being president. Oh, yeah. He loves, loves helping it. people. He yeah, loves, loves helping it. Ohio. Yep. Um, yeah. I remember, like, when he was rumored, was it a Nebraska job where, like, his name popped up for a little bit and it, like, the response from him was just so trust where he's like you think I'm leaving the great state of Ohio I'm like alright there right. it is yep. alright last one for you guys Robert says hey guys if you could be in the announcers booth for any sporting event what would it be and what play by play and color commentator would you work with Ooh, jeez that's pretty good well you do this so you can go first on this front is so tough. Talking about like all time? Are we talking all time or current? Well, you can do whatever you want. The, the, there are no rules. There are no parameters for you. Color outside the lines. This is tough. This is really tough. Okay, for one, so it's because I've been behind the scenes, all right? I'd probably do a Musburger um, or Keith Jackson Herb Street combo at either the national title or at LSU at night um, or a whiteout if it was like both of us were elite. So like picture like the 05 whiteout when Penn State was elite and we were elite. Yep. One of those type of scenarios um, or games, right? Those environments. And the reason why Herb Street, for one, I just think he's incredible. But, and I know a lot of people will be mad at me because whatever people have their opinions on Herbie for some whatever reason but the system that he has in the booth is so elite like he has ESPN has provided him with his own coaches clicker so in a like and Bo you'll appreciate this because you understand how like live TV works right and the truck and all that but he has the ability after every play on his own monitor to basically rewind at a speed that is like the coach's clicker, you know, like how do you yep. see like them just uh-huh. buzz through tape instantly. So as a play happens and as um, Fowler's still like describing it and like er- he lays out for a second, Herbie's already watched the play four or five times. Like he's rewind, rewind, rewind. He can see what gap it went through, what was the guard, who missed the tackle, and then boom, he delivers. And he's already there. So his ability to have all that, meanwhile, there's some games I don't even have a Telestrator, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> so you're. It's right. like it's like he's playing in a home run derby with juice balls, and everyone else has normal balls, just because of the money of ESPN. And he's the, one of the only guys at ESPN. I think Joel Klatt might have that set up now too. But man, 
like to be able to have all that access and to see it happen, and plus you get to hang out with Darren in the booth as well, his guy, his buddy Darren um, from Wheels Up, and it just it's a it's a good time. He is incredibly giving too. Like he yes, would, he, is. he would if you were like co color commentating with him, he would he would help you along. Oh, he's great. Like he's giving in that way. I've seen him do that on the cruise many times with you know with people and makes others shine. Like he's very very giving in that sense. Yeah. Um, I, I think the clear thing would be. Okay, so the question was, what color, what play-by-play guy? So if, if I were providing color, I would want to do it with Keith Jackson. Uh, that's the guy. And you'd want to do that at the Rose Bowl in, in a national Ooh, championship game. I mean, yeah. that's what I would want to do is that. If I were the play-by-play guy, uh, you know, Herb Street has just become the guy. It, it is college football. It is college football. This is what you're it's doing. I mean, that's what I would want to do. I would it's want pageant, yeah. Yep. Yeah, and I want big game on campus. Uh, I would love to call a relevant Ohio State-Michigan game, uh, frankly with you, uh, would be a lot of fun to do, uh, to see how that would go. Uh, Herbie, those type of people. But this game, calling this game, our game, that if it, when it matters, when they're good, the juice that would come with that, doing Alabama-Auburn, you know, when they're both good, that's it. Red River, when they're both in the top five, yep, sign me up. Mm. Big game on campus is the best thing. It's the best thing in sports, man. I'm telling you, it is. There's it nothing is. like it. So whatever yep. I did would be tied to, would be tied to big game on campus, with the exception of Jackson at the Rose Bowl in the national championship because he's so synonymous with it. Um, lots going on in the sports world, including just a surreal scene in Houston around Deshaun oh, Watson. Uncomfortable. Uh, we, the more video that crazy. comes out, more uncomfortable. It's crazy. We will, we will get to that and reset the big stories of the day coming up next year. Officially endorsed coming up in about a half hour. Bishop and Laurinaitis right here on The Fan. The offseason is a myth. Serving you 24 hours a day, seven days a week to feed your sports addiction. The Fan, Ohio's sports destination. Big in Montana and also Minnesota and everywhere else too. You're listening to Bishop and Laurinaitis. 821-9710 is a phone number. Time for you to win a couple of tickets to Impractical Jokers. A pair of tickets, in fact, to Impractical Jokers Tour at the Shot and Scene Center on December 30th. Get your tickets now at Ticketmaster.com on that front. Um, let's go fourth caller on that one. Let's let's get that taken care of on that front. So around the sports world, there's a lot to get to from the Olympics and and a lot to get to, um, you know, in that regard. But I do I do think that the most among the more surreal scenes that I've seen in the NFL recently, and there's been a lot, is what is going on in Houston right now. So Deshaun Watson showed up. He showed up. And we knew that because mm-hmm. we knew he was going to show up Sunday. But they're at practice now. Okay, So he's at practice. He showed up. He is going through drills as the number four quarterback? <laughs> Like if you're re- I don't want to overstate, but I my feeling on him is that if you're redrafting the league and there there aren't the off field concerns, which are legitimate, if they don't exist, is he picked fourth overall? Mm. Like Watson, I mean, it would go Mahomes one, yeah, and and then it's like him or Josh Allen two, yeah. three, mm. and he's yeah. taken he's fourth. Going through the dummy step over. I bet drill? there's a lot of people that would prefer him over Josh Allen. Still, <clears throat> I would. I would. I would yeah. take him probably second. I would. I. I, I could be yeah. missing. I mean, who, am I missing anybody? Um, Who's young and great, like just great? I don't think so. I mean, you look at like 
his lack of I know effort people like too, Herbert, but like is incredible. Oh my gosh, like, it's crazy. Seeing him go through the bags. <clears throat> the bags, right. The That's body language of him going through the bags. Like you have all these like other quarterbacks going so fast. Like, you know, like all the quarterbacks in front of him. I don't even know who's quarterback there, right? Besides Tyrod. But let me look it up. I got I'll put it this way. There's no way and you know what that those other guys would be their feet would be that much faster than his going through little bags, agility bags in the drill that they're doing. <laughs> but the lack of effort that Deshaun is giving he did put his jersey back on, but I did see that with the jerseys back. Yeah, but the lack of effort. Let me see who else that quarterback: Jeff Driscoll and Davis Mill. Yeah, so those guys, those guys look like they're two times faster going through the bags than Deshaun Watson. The lack of juice he's going through there. Um, gosh, so uncomfortable. Oh, so uncomfortable. It's pretty wild. Oh, it's incredible that there. But I don't know what the solution is, and you know, I think probably the NFL is a little culpable here because the NFL just today, you know, weighed in on that he's a full go. You know, they're continuing to quote monitor the situation, mm-hmm. but he's a full go at this point. Mm. So, what do you do if you're Houston? And Houston's holding firm. Why you ask? Well, because Houston wants max value for their most valuable asset. Of course. He's, they know he's not going to be there. They know he's not going to be there long term. But you know what they want? They want a bunch of draft picks. They mm. want a bunch of draft picks. Bunch of ones. Give me four ones. And the team's pushing back. are going, well, we're not giving you four ones because we, we don't know what his standing is. Yep. We don't know if he's going to be in the – is he going to be suspended? We're not giving you four ones for a guy who's not going to be around. So everyone's in kind of an impossible situation here. I mean, we're making fun of it because it's so awkward, but I don't know – how you thread the needle. I don't. Right. Right. I don't either. I mean, probably the way to hand. I guess, as I say that, what I would say is it would take some amount of adult in the room from Houston and from Watson's standpoint to say, hey, we can't have you here. And to him say, yeah, I don't want to be here in terms yeah. of camp. Right. We won't fine you. Let's just, we're, we're, gonna, we're working on a trade. But don't show up and we won't fine you. Like, instead, it's become spite. Like, if you don't show up, we're going to find you 50000 Well, now he's here. Are you, how, how effective is this practice going to be in Houston? And then to insult the whole locker room. Correct. Knowing that you have that guy at practice. That's right. And he's taking fourth team reps. Right. It's fourth quarterback. Come on, man. Like, I mean, there would be a lot of guys be like, come on, bro, when it comes to Tyrod taking the reps. But there would be some that would be like, you know what, Tyrod was here all spring. You uh-huh. know, it's just a matter of time. Um. But to put him behind Driscoll and Mills, come on. What are we doing? <laughs> right? I mean, you're it's risking getting the locker room all up in arms and the guys gossiping and this being the main topic. It's nothing right. about the team now. It's going to be all about the Sean. Uh-huh. That's right. Mm. Yeah, it's a, it's really, really risky. It isn't. He isn't the only bright young quarterback who's um, making headlines today. Uh, Lamar Jackson out in Baltimore. For COVID-related uh, issues. Now, what we don't know... Harbaugh did is, say he tested positive. I saw okay, that. So tweet. he's tested Harbaugh positive. Harbaugh did test positive. Or uh, Jackson did, did he, test positive for COVID. Did he say he's vaccinated? No. The tweet just said, Harbaugh says that Lamar Jackson has tested positive for COVID. Okay. So he's tested positive. I guess the way that you will know pretty straightforward if he is... Vac- not that it's anybody's necessarily business, but I guess the way you'll know is how long he's out. 
Right. Because if he's unvaccinated, it's at least ten days. Uh, if he's well, so what's unique is that it's not our business, but it is our business because the NFL has made it everyone's business. The NFL, has <laughs> you know, made like business. you can put a wristband on on Najee Harris, you know, and he's got photos of him, and it's a story. I'm going through Twitter, and it's like Najee Harris has the wristband. He's not vaxxed. and I'm I'm, right. I'm just like, how's he doing at tailback? That's what I want to know. How's he? How's he? Right. Playing? You know. Correct. And right. And really, the vax non vax thing has nothing to do with performance. No, you hit it right. You nailed it in the first hour. The NFL wanted ninety yeah, percent. I really quick since testing. you said that. Since you said I nailed it, I kind of just took the rest of the show off. I apologize. <laughs> That's all. That was your. That was the high <laughs> water mark of the week because that was the best insight by a million miles on this. The NFL's intent was ninety percent vaccinated. Then we don't have to test, and then yeah. it's like the SEC. Yeah. yeah, away we go. Everybody plays. SEC you don't feel good. You don't or play. like Clemson. Clemson in the yep. semis. We're all on absolutely, Street, but don't absolutely worry about it. nothing to yeah. see here. Everyone's clear. Um, Tom Pelissero with this uh, last night. Uh, the NFL last night sent clubs updated training camp and preseason COVID protocols, including discipline for any player, regardless of vaccination status, who refuses to wear a tracking device is 15000 or refuses to submit to required virus testing is 50000 Now, you say to yourself, well, that's nothing. Patrick Mahomes makes $400 million. Well, there's guys in that locker room who make forty k. So, yeah, it is right. a lot. Right, it's, it is Pack a lot. The squad guys, yeah, absolutely. He goes. Uh, protocols remain stiffest for unvaccinated players who must do the following: they must wear masks at all times while lifting in the weight room, at walkthroughs, at practice, including warm-up, stretch, except when doing so would interfere with the, their ability to engage in athletic activity. Uh, the memo also clarified restrictions for unvaccinated players outside the facility, including bans on nightclubs, bars, sporting events, concerts, all subject to a fifteen thousand dollars fine for the first offense. A couple other protocol tweaks: is that vaxxed and unvaxxed? That's unvaxxed. Okay. Uh, other protocol tweaks. Unvaxxed, inactive players on sidelines must wear masks, so they'll be outed. Uh, cardiac screening now only required in specific cases where a player had moderate severe systems. Entry testing cadence shortened from five days to two for unvaccinated players and Tier 1, Tier 2 staff. All This is the one, though. All protocols jointly agreed to by the NFL and the NFLPA. So the NFLPA said, yeah, mm. we're good. So what's unique about this is that uh, if you're vaccinated, uh, my first thing would be like, "Why are you tracking me? If I'm vaccinated against it, why do I? Why does it matter if I'm socially distanced from anybody? Or why do I have to wear a tracking device?" I thought the whole point of me getting vaccinated was not to wear a tracking device. I think that's valid. I mean, I'm, I'm just it, no, no. I think it's thing, valid. Yeah, I mean, honestly, and like the hard thing for me is like I don't. It doesn't bother me if you're vaxxed or not. I, I honestly, I understand people's logic both ways. I do. Everyone's body is, look, what you put inside your body is a freedom as a human being that you have, right? If you want to put yeah. a vaccine in it, sure. If you want to stuff it full of McDonald's and get heart disease early in life, sure. Okay. You know, one's a little quicker than the other. Whatever you want to do. It doesn't bother me. It's your freedom. But this this here is... Like we're so conditioned with the mask thing now, and and it's become such a um, it's become such a hot topic. Like we're forced to talk about it because the NFL keeps changing its rules on it, and or not even changing, just adjusting. Right? They're adjusting on the fly, yep. and, I, and I understand that the need to do it. I'm not saying it's a bad idea to do so. Right? There's a, there's a need to do it. Um, 
I bring I bring it up though because when you are adjusting over and over, it keeps getting brought up to now I'm conditioned when I see a player like I saw Malik Hooker first photo in a Cowboys uniform and he's got a mask on. So initially my brain goes to he must not be vaxxed, and then in my brain I go I don't care if he is or not. And then I'm like, right. but damn, that must stink for him if he's not vaxxed, living that kind of life. And then you just go down this rabbit hole where it's yeah. like I'm more interested about Malik Hooker being maybe a starting safety again and reviving his career, but yeah. like. It keeps popping up, and we're forced to talk about. Trust me, people. You think Bo and I want to come on a show no. and talk about vaccinations? We don't. No. But when the NFL is adjusting its stuff daily, and you have multiple today. players who are not vaxxed, and it's going to be an issue throughout the whole season. Just wait till the first star, you know, with air quotes, um, test Unless, positive that isn't vaxxed, and how much there his, you go. His organization, the NFL, tries to make him a scapegoat. See, you look at, and then all the talking heads are, look, he's hurting his team because he's selfish, and it's this Michael whole Irvin deal. Said that, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, no, that's why you that that's why the point was so good. With the NFL, wonder was 85, 90 percent back, so we don't have to test, and then get over it. No then testing. Don't worry about it. If yeah, in, we'll only over. test you maybe if guys are having symptoms. We'll yeah. test them for a bunch of things. Maybe test them for COVID, flu, all that. We just want to see what was wrong. You know, if you're sick, stay home, that whole thing. But we're not testing everybody. And, and now we're getting back to a point to where it seems like we're just inching. We're not back to what it was last year as far as the protocols. No. But it sure seems like we're inching closer to that, right? Like, I think we're more frequent one, testing for vaccine, vaccine players. More frequent. Not I think you're getting that. I think what you're getting. I think what you're getting is, is they are using the threat of that yes. to incentivize. Same. And they're pushing it really hard. Same. Uh, you're not. I don't think they will go back to where it was a year ago. But they're using the threat of it in an effort to get guys. The problem with this whole thing is, from the NFL perspective, is if a guy gets vaxxed yesterday, it's and they do Pfizer. Yeah. It's a vax, and then it's 21 days, and then it's another vax, and then it's two weeks after that. That's pretty yeah. much August. It's August. And That's guess August. what? As I was floating around on on the line. I see a press release that Pfizer data suggests that a third dose is strongly boosts your protection against the Delta variant. There you go. So now it's now the NFL mid season. Are they going to adjust? I don't think the NFL wants to deal with it. I think no, the they NFL don't. wanted ninety percent so we can stop the testing. Period. We're not worried about a booster. We're not worried about all this other stuff. Yeah. Let's just go play football and keep the attention on our product, which is the National Football League, and how brilliant of a game it is. And instead, the vaccine stuff has definitely grabbed a hold of it and they're trying to do everything in their power to force the players to get to that 90 percent because they don't want to talk about it they don't want to face these questions right they don't want to have the questions about boosters or when guys were vaccinated and how long is the vaccine effective they want to get through this season and hope that they don't have to bring it up ever again next summer you nailed it nailed it absolutely nailed it um there is some good news in brown's camp as they are getting ready to hit Seals for the first time in 2021 later on this afternoon. From a health standpoint, we get to that coming up next. Bishman Laurinaitis right here on The Fan. Leaving your Jackets flagship station since day one. All the goals, all the action, all the memories. Your home for the Columbus Blue Jackets, The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Pushing the limit of how many times you can say the word thing in one show. That's the next thing. That is the next thing. This is Bishop and Laurinaitis. Into the Browns, who's in a second for Darren Drager of TSN. Boone Jenner has signed a multi-year extension with the Blue Jackets. Nice. So he will be a part of the restart. 
restart, rebuild, rebuild retool. See the C? Mm. I don't think so. And Wierenski? Yeah. You know, those would, I think those would be kind of where you yeah. want to go there, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if you could, if, if you knew Wierenski was going to be here long term, you know, I think he would be the guy. Yeah. <clears throat> of course. But, yeah. Yeah. Very good stuff. And, and so we know that Boone will be back next year after the signing of the multi-year extension and be, uh, you know, has the potential to be, you know, kind of a blue jacket for life type guy. So that, that's cool to see. Yeah. Um, yesterday, the news out of, by the way, the Browns hit camp, uh, hit the fields up in a bree in about, probably about, I think it's about two o'clock, something like that. So it's getting close, two thirty, something like that. Uh, this one is not open to the public, uh, but the ones at the end of the week will be. Um, but hitting this practice with incredible expectations, obviously, and we'll get into this much more in the next coming in the coming days and weeks. Uh, but they did get very good news yesterday that Odell Beckham Jr. passed his physical and will not start training camp on the pup list, and so that is uh, that is very big news. So they were waiting, I think, on Odell. They were waiting on Grant Delpit uh, and hopeful, right, mm-hmm. that he too would get a full clear. Um, yep. I haven't seen anything confirmed on the Delpit front, um, but I think Delpit and Odell are the two that you you really had hoped for. Greedy Williams, obviously, as well, who missed much of last year. And, of course, they'll start camp without Jeremiah Wusukoromoa, who is in the COVID uh, protocol at the moment, and from what I understand, probably out 10 days. So uh, you can understand how that goes on that front. Um, Beckham back, full go at camp. This is an important year uh, in the sense that this is probably the first time since when that I feel like Odell Beckham Jr. needs the team he plays for more than they need him. Right. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah. There has to be a sense of um, it's almost like a prove-it year for him. Like prove you're still worth I think so. the contract. Last, last shot. Yeah. Um, last shot. Are you still a top ten receiver? Are you still a top fifteen receiver? Yeah. Are you? Yeah. Can you still be dynamic? Can you still be a game breaker? And that doesn't have the hardest to be with them this year. That that won't be statistically. Yeah. Because he's not catching. They have too many weapons. He's not catching ninety passes for fifteen hundred yards. It's not in the cards. Right. Um, for thirteen touchdowns, it's you know five six times a, a game. Can you make people go? Oh yeah. Can you, you always talk about this? Do you st- are you still somebody who NFL defenses have to game plan for? Right. That's his job now. Are they worried about taking away thirteen, or are they just are you just another guy that they feel they can put a corner on man to man? Because if you're just another guy and don't get doubled, then then what are we paying you? What are we paying you that money for? Um, it's it's so for Odell. There's nothing more motivating than seeing your team succeed without you. It's humbling, but it's motivating as well. Mm-hmm. Because you realize, like, I'm rooting for my guys, right? You're rooting for your teammates, the other wide receivers that played, Baker, the whole deal. You want them to win. But as a competitor, you want them to win because of you. So when you're not out yep. there, that's it could be humbling, and it can also be motivating. You know, it's no, it's no uh, coincidence that he has rehabbed as aggressively as he has. He wants to go out there and win with his guys. He wants to prove that I... Yep. I, he heard everything. I want to be. I want to show everybody that yes, I am the guy to help elevate this thing even more. Not that they don't need me. That Baker's better without me. So that's just motivating in and of itself, man. It's just think like, oh, my team is succeeding without me, man. Let's go. Like I need to get back out there. You know, there's probably a little bit more of a sense of urgency, I think, than he has 
think about how content he's probably been. Not in a bad way, but just knowing that he's that guy. Like, he's an absolutely global superstar in football, which is hard to be a global one because of the catch and everything right with that. So he is a he is a superstar when it comes to football. And this is, might be the first time in a long time since the catch to where he's probably had to feel like, man, i got to go prove myself. i got to prove I'm still a top 10 dude. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and the clock's ticking. It's a big one. It's a very, very big one for him. I look forward to seeing it. I think he adds something to them they clearly didn't have a year ago. So if he can get through healthy, I think I think big things could be in the offing, uh, offering for him this year and, and for that team. Uh, we will, and of course that starts and we'll be following it uh, over the course of the next month very, very closely. We will hit you with your officially endorsed in three things on a first Friday. Up next, Bishop and Laurinaitis right here on The Fan. The only workplace in America to participate in the doorknob fart game. And we also play office basketball and sometimes do radio. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Top shelf conversation from top shelf gentlemen. That's a pretty emphatic situation. This is Bishop and Laurinaitis. Indeed it is, and it is time for your first Friday officially endorsed. Hit a chopper. You drink for the wrong reasons. My generation, we drink because it's good. Because it feels better than unbuttoning your collar. Because we deserve it. We drink because it's what men do. So I'm stealing this one from the great Ramsey from 11 Warriors. I saw him tweet this out. He's on some sort of vacation. And I thought, boy, this is interesting. I think I'll try this. So uh, what it is is uh, a Blackberry bourbon lemonade uh for the summer months and so what you need to do is they serve it in like one of those jars that you know it looks like something from the lab came in but you can serve it in anything uh but what you need to do is you need to have the ice cubes right so you want those hired ice cubes because you want a little ice in this thing uh to kind of loosen it up a little bit uh the recipe called for wild turkey that's fine um i used in the one that i did i used uh weller special reserve so you go two parts of that about three ounces of that two shots of, of weller special reserve you go a four muddled blackberries. Mm. Uh, what I used was an organic uh, brown sugar uh, to give that a little sweetness. The other thing you can do is simple syrup would be fine, too. Um, I went with a heavy lemon squeeze and two dashes of bitters. So mix that all together in a, in a strainer or a mixer, uh, and then pour that over the rocks and enjoy. Uh, it was pretty good, pretty good, I will say, and refreshing uh, for, the, uh, for the summer months, a blackberry bourbon Lemonade, you're officially endorsed on this fine first Friday. Time for three things. Hit it, Chops. One, two, one, two, three things with Bishop and Laurinaitis. Sponsored by Custom Air. Custom Air. Custom Solutions. Custom Comfort. You know, it's been number one for me. There's been so much going on. We Normally, you and I would maybe even do a whole segment on, on uniforms. And the Browns had new uniforms. They released them on Friday at midnight. Uh, in homage of their 75th anniversary season, they are all white with a drop letter. They're really clean. They look great. They, uh, they have an orange hat with numbers on them for now. But I, my hunch is, if possible, if possible, when you have more shells next year, I could see them with a white hat. And I think you'd have almost a Texas look. I think it'd be really, really clean. Uh, so good job out of them. But the reason I brought it up is it reminded me of the end of the Trestle era when they were doing this with... Now, I didn't like them doing it for the Michigan game, but I did think it was really cool because we do have a lot of variety in our uniform history. And I think paying homage to some of those teams elicited some really cool uniforms that are that our teams that the Ohio State teams wore. I wish they weren't in the Michigan game, as I said, 
But I do think that there were some really cool ones that were worn in that time. And I think that's the best way for Ohio State to wear an alternate uniform is that way. Yeah, absolutely. I, t- I totally agree. My first thing, I've created a monster. I sent you this, what was it, last yesterday afternoon. The amount of vehicles my kids have. That's right. In the garage. It's overload. I got in the same spot. Is insane. It all started with London's Range Rover that she has. Okay, that's the slowest of the four. And then it was the Tesla that was a gift um, from Tesla for referring Jake and Jackie Long to buying their their um, there you go their Model X. So that was a free gift. That's nice. That's the fastest of the four. And then when I was in Minnesota, I blamed my friend Don Barber because what happened was he had the tractor and the and the Gator. Um, and so yeah. you know, as you're sitting there, you're like, of course these drive better in the grass, and we need some more of these in the grass, you know, over at the barn. So little Amazon Prime, and next thing you know, I've spent the last three days, about six hours assembling those two things. <laughs> Vacation, basically there. We got a few more minutes. I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to handle it. Um, J-Lo, she really likes to do active things when we go. We've, you know, we've gone to a lot of cities, exploring those, museums, things like that. I enjoy that too, but sometimes just a cold beverage on the beach, it's just what you need. Excited for the next few days. Yeah, it's been a car-started day for you, Chopper, so we appreciate you getting through it. Uh, Number two for me, Bootsy could have an advertising campaign in the future. Oh, I ran this by him yesterday, and I said, how do you feel about that? And he goes, I feel great. And then he went to bed. So he's in. We're discussing. It's in the cards. It's in the cards. So my second thing, an awesome Olympic story. I'm going to butcher this name because she's from uh, the Netherlands. But an anemic Van Vluten won gold after crashing and fracturing three vertebrae in 2016 games. Right? She's a cyclist. She had a terrible crash. If you want to try to look at it, it's, I mean, honestly, it's a, it's a miracle that she even got back and competed. But she thought she won the road race, Bo, uh, earlier in the week, only to find out that the person that actually yep. won it was so far ahead that she finished silver. So heartbreak. But the individual time trial, she got a redemption and got a gold medal. Could you imagine coming back from three cracked vertebrae? I mean, my goodness. You have no. a bad back. You understand. Gold medalist. No. Nope. Unreal. That's some of the best stuff from the Olympics. Uh, personally, my favorite thing about the Olympics is how quickly you go from, hmm, what's this? This seems interesting, to yelling, that's a point, that's a goal, that's <laughs> a sport. Right. You really don't know much about it, but <laughs> now right. you're an expert. You're rooting for Team USA. You're watching them. Uh, women's water polo, apparently. We did get upset in, in one of the group play games. with uh, U.S. women's water polo, apparently a pretty good team. I've enjoyed watching them, and now I think I know everything about water polo. I don't know anything about water polo. Well, the most amazing thing, yeah, it's a great point, but like when like the, the surfing guys, like they finish and they're like, yeah, we I'm, and they know they won them. I don't even understand. It looked exactly like the last guy. You both stood on it the whole time. It's it's crazy. Uh, and I will say this. It is pretty cool. I, and I, no, did I get this yesterday? I can't remember if I did or not. I think I, I don't think I did. Number three, my boy Beamsy, middle boy Beamsy, is an up at dawn until he goes to bed Olympic viewer. It's amazing. Doesn't matter what it is. He goes from one channel to the next, and they've got three or four of them. He keeps begging me for Peacock so we can watch more of it. The dude is consuming it at at a rate I never would have ever predicted. It's a stunning thing. I'm for it, but it's wild. Love that. Love that. You know what else I love? I I don't actually love this. This headline. You ready for it? 
Ashton Kutcher and yep. Mila Kunis say they don't believe in bathing their kids or themselves too much. So you read it and you go, that's interesting. Um, it's because Mila Kunis did not have hot water growing up as a child. So she says that I wasn't that parent that bathed my newborns ever. So if I see dirt on them, I clean them. Otherwise, there's no point. Kutcher then said, I wash my armpits and my crotch daily, but nothing else ever. Sometimes after a workout, I'll rinse, put some water on my face to get the salts out. <laughs> Which, by the way, that's just a sloppy shower is all that is. It's a lazy shower. Oh, man. But so the headline, like, wait, what? Huh? It's like my friend who said, wait, hold on. You wipe your baby after every pee? Yeah. After they sat and pee in a diaper for, yeah, for hours, I do yes. wipe their bottoms. Yes. Sure do. Not just yep. number twos. My last thing. See you guys. I'm out of here. <laughs> Good job. Enjoy your first Friday. Act accordingly. Rothman and Ice up next. Bishop and Laurinaitis right here on The Fan. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.